Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Brothers and sisters of the leaf, coming to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight the boys congregate to discuss the 2014 movie Teen Lust. Oh boy, look, they swear it's a comedy, folks, so don't get your panties in a wad yet. Really, I was told it is not a porno, and if you don't believe me, just head over to the internet where you'll see that the film poster features the title Teen Lust, printed as a tattooed tramp stamp over a girl's butt as she seductively undoes her bra. Wait a goddamn minute, did you guys do a porno and now you're trying to get me to cover for your your outlandishly inappropriate, incredibly horny shenanigans once again? I guess only time will tell, but color me a little bit suspicious. Anywho, they'll also be smoking the sexy Wunderlust cigar from Roma Craft Tobacco, paired with a shameful amount of mouth-watering craft beers. Well, whatever the hell happens tonight, it sounds like it's going to be a shitload of fun, so I'm going to go ahead and take my pants off and get ready to party. Please join me, won't you? So sit back, light them up, and enjoy the show. Are you boys ready? I am ready. I am lusting to do this movie. Uh, your lust inspires my lust, my friend. That that sounded odd. So we finally broke into the big time, ladies and gentlemen. Last week, it came to Tut and I's attention that Russian hackers attempted multiple times to access <laughs> the Tuesday Night Cigar Club website. First, they tried to impersonate Tut. Then they tried to access the site pretending to be me. Good luck with that. And these weren't country bumpkin Russian hackers from out in the sticks. Get this, yaks. They had fucking Moscow IP addresses. These are big city hackers, or more than likely, am I right, Tut, KGB spies? 
Da, da. Impressed, Yagboy? Yeah, hey, we're hackworthy by the Russians. You should be. You should be impressed. We needed to find out all of your cigar informations and your top notch. Someone said that you were the best palate in the universe. What, one of the <laughs> one of the best palettes a website said I, I had in the known universe. Oh, uh, you pesky Russian hackers! But naturally, these motherfuckers failed because as much as what everything the TNCC stands for drives these commie bastards nuts. You can't defeat us. You can't silence us. And we will continue to swat away these pathetic attempts to bring down the greatest country on earth. And no, I'm not talking about Canada. I'm talking about United States, us. USA, baby. USA. They tried manipulating our elections and failed. And when they didn't get that the way they wanted, they went after the next logical target, America's most successful cigar, beer, and film pairing podcast. So eat shit, motherfuckers. How do you say that in Russian? Uh, I think they can, you know, understand English pretty good. So they're spies after all. That's true. They are spies. Uh, We are just normal American guys, just like you. You know. (laughs) <laughs> we'll take the light that is Miller <laughs> mm, never heard it said like that before why, is, why are our Russian spies turning into Ackroyd and Martin for <laughs> wild and crazy hey. guys <laughs> hey Todd yeah what does a Russian bride get on her wedding day from her husband that's long and hard a new what? last name Hey, they messed, they, messed with, they messed with us first. What'd you say, Yagboy? They're listening to us in earnest. Retaliation jokes. Well, hey, I can take it. You want to come find me? The name is The Doctor. <laughs> You're smart. You can find where I'm at. Give me your best shot. <laughs> uh, actually, The Doctor's not here tonight. I know he really wants to be. Uh, so it's just the three of us tonight. We can... Be uh, would let loose to our own. Uh, look at us. We can get crazy tonight without our <sighs> carry our, me. Our staunch. Uh, I can make it. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode one forty three. One forty three. Don't worry, America. We got this shit under control. It's in. It's safe in our hands now. Oh, I just got a, a text message. America's over. America's America's not a thing anymore. We ru- we ruined it. Oh, okay. Well, that took twenty seconds. Uh, yeah, I'm of the opinion that the Russians actually broke in and had free reign of our site, and they were like, "Yeah, fuck this." They're like notes of leather and cedar. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> One can't taste food and tobacco. As famous American submarine captain said, <laughs> you cannot taste food and tobacco. As famous submarine warrior Skid Martin once said, who possibly be entertained by this bullshit? Well, you are if you're here listening to it, so thanks. <laughs> and if you're not, I am. 
so uh and welcome to all our new russian fans out there uh welcome to the party <laughs> i like that pussy riot that's a good band you guys like pussy riot a uh, big fan of pussy riot yeah yeah you like pussy riot right i do cool i do indeed well, here's the deal, folks. Uh, originally, we were scheduled uh, to have Joe Grow, the uh, marketing maestro, digital marketing maestro, uh, best in the business from Drew Estate here tonight to uh, tell us a little bit about the upcoming Drew Estate 25th birthday celebration um, here in Texas. They were going to do it at South Fork Ranch, where the show Dallas was filmed. It was going to be this huge party at the uh, end of September. We were all going to it, looking forward to it. They were going to have Mixed Master Mike from the Beastie Boys there. Uh, was it uh, Big Mike? There were a bunch of rappers, uh, Paul Wall. Uh, it, it was just going to be an insane Drew Estate party for fans like us. It was just kind of this ultimate event that we were just staring at our calendars. And then uh, over the weekend, uh, Drew Estate made the wise move to postpone it. Uh, numbers, not only where they're located in Florida, are spiking, but uh, thanks to unintelligent assholes here in Texas who won't get their shot, our numbers are spiking. Hospital beds are filling up, and Drew Estate did the only thing they could do uh, to, to protect their people, protect their people, protect their fans. Uh, they postponed it. A lot of people weren't happy. Hey, man, a lot of people aren't happy about anything these days. Uh, this is actually I'm not happy, but it's I'm not it's not directed at Drew Estate. They did the right thing. I'm not happy at all. Uh, it'd be nice if everyone got on Team USA and did the right thing, and then we we could be there in September. But that's not the case. I'm not going to get on my soapbox about that. Oh wait, I just was. Let me jump off my soapbox. There we go. Uh, so anyhow, I'm sorry, is this soapbox available? I've got some things to say. <laughs> Wait, no. We were so close to we were so close to moving in the right direction. Uh, but uh, maybe maybe uh, all these folks doing their own research at home will do some do some other forms of research over the next year and it'll lead them into another direction and we can have fun again. Uh, I sure hope so. Uh, but anyway, uh, so there was really no reason to have Joe on to hype up D25 uh, until it, we announce when it's coming back. So maybe he'll make yeah. that, maybe hope we can get him to make that announcement down the road on our show. Uh, we love Joe. We miss Joe. Uh, he's one of the, my favorite guys uh, from that crew to, to hang out with when we go to these events. And I was actually at a restaurant um, over the weekend and I saw a, plate of charbroiled oysters going past me. <laughs> I don't know if they're charbroiled. I think that might be a, a staple of Drago's in Louisiana where we ate with yeah. Joe and Gary, but they were just covered in such an insane amount of butter and they smelled so good. It made me think back to that, that fabulous meal we had with, with Joe in, in New Orleans. And uh, I just, I miss the guy. I haven't seen him in forever, but uh, we will get him on the show as soon as there's something to talk about. And uh, I just can't stress enough that Tuesday Night Scar Club fully supports DE for um, stopping things. And that's, you know, that shit wasn't cheap. I mean, we're less than two months out. You know, they had to bite some deposits. I mean, this thing was going to be huge, but um, fucking A, man, as, as usual, they, they did the right thing. And 
that's just one of the reasons why I'm proud as ever to have them as our flagship flagship sponsor. When you listen or watch our show, the first thing you hear is that we're brought to you by Drew Estate, and it's because they they're a company with character and they're a company with a heart, and that's why they make tough choices uh, that kind of align with the tough choices that if we were in charge of such a massive business, uh, we, we would certainly make as well. Unfortunately, we just had to make decisions for the three of us. And I'm nuts. Okay. Yeah. I would cancel it for the public, but mix master, you're still come, come here. You go, just, t- go Tut's house. Yeah. We're, we're having a party in my living room. Don't get me wrong. If we couldn't get the deposit back, sure. We'd, We'd, we'd bring Mix Master Mike to your your house. <laughs> um, so anyway, good on you, Drew State. We'll see you down the road. Um, I'm hoping they at least inform the Mix Master. Otherwise, he's just going to show up to an empty field. <laughs> oh, maybe we should go. Maybe we should go out there just in case any of these rappers show up. <laughs> I did you guys, get the memo. Are you guys with Drew State? Sort of. I'll been. Uh. You might want. That's why we got hacked because they're still holding it, but they made us think that it's not. Yax, you might want to hold that night open this, the main stage at O'Brien's Irish Pub in historic downtown Temple, Texas. We might be throwing uh, Paul Wall up on stage. Well, so he, what we did was we adjusted um, and we went a different direction than featuring a Drew Estate cigar. We'll get to that soon enough. And we decided to go to a cigar that we've had in our coffers for, I'm surprised actually Tut didn't get drunk one night and smoke it. Uh, I, I hand you guys this well over a year ago. And it just seemed like a perfect night to, I just couldn't take it anymore. I wanted to smoke it. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead of myself. What do we do here every uh, episode? <laughs> for, the, for the folks that For the folks that are new to us. We enjoy a, or hopefully premium, wonderful tasting cigar. Yeah. Pair with a hopefully wonderful tasting craft beer. Paired with hopefully a cinematic jewel. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yes, we pair a beer a with a cigar and a movie, and we try to make it all work together. And tonight's cigar... Now I can get back to business. Is the Wonderlust, not the Wanderlust, the Wonderlust by Romacraft Tobacco. It is a six by fifty-two Toro. The wrapper is Brazilian Madafina. The binder is Indonesian Basuki, and the filler is undisclosed. Nobody knows. Oh, someone knows. Those Russian hackers. Smell that man, that is got such a clean smell on that wrapper. I thought the uh, the filler was the uh, Cuban seed or the Cuban. That's the rumor, Tut, but as it is unofficially undisclosed, we'll never know. However, the cigar is a European exclusive, which would <laughs> which would where Cuban tobacco is legal, so that would lend itself to that uh, theory. Um, I'll get back to price point at the end, as always. As the legend goes, when Mike Rosales and Skip Martin of Romacraft 
visited the Wonder Bar in, help me here, Yaks, you've been to Germany a bunch, B-I-E-L-E-F-E-L-D, Bielefeld, 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 say it again, what did you say, say it again, B-I-E-L-E-F-E-L-D, Bielefeld, 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 all right, let me just say this. Bielefeld. When they went to the Wonder Bar in some place in Germany back in 2015, they came up with a name for this European exclusive release. Uh, like I said, I purchased these online from a cigar shop in Germany probably a year and a half ago. Um, so these have a nice amount of age on them at this point. They're very well rested, unlike me. A little tired tonight. So let's wake them up and set these bastards on fire, huh? It's a I'm beautiful... It is a beautiful cigar. It's got a really nice oil to that Brazilian wrapper. The I know Skip's going to listen. So it's just a really nice smelling tobacco. I don't get any kind of uh, adjectives come to mind. Just tobacco. Just tobacco. I'd say earthy, but that makes sense because tobacco comes from the earth. And then mild sweetness off the foot. But, I mean, of course, how can you smell sweetness? That's stupid. Uh, so it's just a, it's just another tobacco smell off the foot, but it smells lovely. The the whole thing is lovely. Did you get anything off the cold draw board? I got a tobacco. It was a nice breathy tobacco going through there. All all jokes aside, uh, with Skip and his feelings towards uh, cigar reviewers and our. Um, uh, way of describing cigars. Uh, we've been over that before. It's, it, it is what it is. I'm just, I'm going to approach this like I do any cigar, um, uh, with no apologies. Man, there's a, a really rich, chewy kind of red man sweetness on that, which is weird because I usually get that from really dark Maduro, uh, especially like broadleaf wrap cigars, but this certainly isn't that, uh, the Brazilian Matafina that uh, is u- utilized here, uh, it's actually known for its medium strength as opposed to full strength. It, you know, right. My experience with it has kind of a smooth, full flavor, uh, but it does – the sweetness makes sense. Uh, the Brazilian Matafina I've had is, is typically does have that sweetness. Um, and then when you factor in the Indonesian binder, that's usually a very mild. Yeah. Indonesian tobaccos are very kind of mild. So I'm guessing that we're not in store for a, a – Aroma Craft powerhouse like the Neanderthal night, and that's not really a guess because I I've smoked a lot of Wonder. Yeah, I was, about, I was like, dude, what is he? I just want to setting up here. I just want to sound like I was smart. Oh, okay. Uh, that that sweetness was there. I was a little concerned because my I got an IPA which does have actually a really strong citrusy sweetness to it. So I was thinking, it's like, oh, that's probably coming from the beer on that cold draw, but. No, there, there's, de- uh, there's definitely that really nice sweetness. I'm about to light up. Also, I should mention we've had Skip and Mike on our show many times over the years. We've met him. We've done the show at a lounge. We've done it at Roma Crap headquarters a bunch of times. We partied with him at, at, y- at Yak Boys uh, Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas, O'Brien's. Uh, I consider them friends. But lately, one of my least favorite phrases I see as far as especially cigar podcasts, and I hear it a lot, is, Tonight, we welcome back on the show. That back on the show, it's like, there's nobody new you can talk to. Like, you, you're just regurgitating the same cigar people over and over again. 
So I decided to leave those guys alone this time around. They're skips in Nicaragua. Mike's here doing his thing. Uh, and like I said, I really don't want skip and his PhD in tobaccoology telling me I'm fucking wrong about everything. So, uh, he can tell me later. That's fine. <laughs> love will be all fair and does. I love you skip. Uh, but no, uh, I'll be the judge of what's bullshit that comes out of my mouth tonight. Per the norm, per the norm, I'm expecting quite a bit of it. Um, sure, there'll be plenty of it. But anyway, I'm just gonna approach this like uh, like any cigar. I'm really excited to land on fire. So while I do that, well, first of all, Tut, first impressions. You already lit up. Oh, first impression, uh, just a nice hint of spice right there on the on the light. Uh, nothing too heavy. Set back down. Uh, yeah, I just I, I like it. I was getting like a little bit of tea there for the. Not necessarily a big sweetness, but I guess you could kind of say sweet tea uh, coming into the cold draw. But uh, yeah, coming into it, it's it's not really sitting up in terms of strength-wise. Uh, I think you're right. I think that Matafina kind of tamps it down a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it, it's a beautiful smoke. It's, it's one of my favorite cigars. Uh, so I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the hell out of this. Please do, Tut. Please do. You're right. Uh, it is by far not an overpowering uh, spice on the retro hail. Uh, just a little nice tingling of pepper up at the top that's, that sticks around, but nothing that's yeah. make, making your eyes water or, or making you go for go for your beverage. Um, I just think it's kind of interesting because there is there is a little bit of an earth element to it, but it's not heavy Nicaraguan earth. And, uh, but I mean, there, there is that earth tone that's there. And I thought, I thought that was surprising because usually that's what I associate with Nicaraguan tobaccos. Well, it's an undisclosed filler, my friend. There there certainly could be some Nicaraguan uh, mixed in there with those mystery tobaccos. Um, it is a, a very pleasant earthiness, um, on, on that, on the draw. And, um, I've always, this is my favorite Vitola of the Wonderlust. Uh, the Toro by, speaks to me more than I've had the Grand Perfecto. I agree. Uh, um, I want to say I've had, I think this is the small, there's something larger than the, than the Grand Toro. Um, I, I always go back to this one. If I, if I have a choice, um, I, I just really like the way it smokes in this, in this format. Um, just because that, Really smooth draw, yeah. very smooth earthiness, and um, I don't know, Todd, if you had said anything about a bready component um, mixed in with that. Um, I used to get more of the breadiness from the Baca line. I think that's what we were talking about earlier. But there mm-hmm. is there is a little bit of that breadiness here. I'm sorry, yeah, we were talking about the Baca earlier because uh, I was gonna say I don't quite. It's not quite bready to me that that thing that's accompanying that that really smooth earthiness to me it's it's with the wonderlust it's always been a kind of a nuttiness uh, it's always been you know earth um and, and it's always had this really nice kind of cashew nuttiness um it's just it's just a delicious delicious draw yeah with just the right amount of spice okay well we'll, we'll get back we just lit up we'll get back to that the second thing we do here is we drink our fucking faces off and uh, we have already, I'm assuming, begun that process. Maybe. Oh, it's hot out here in the studio. I am, I am drinking it. I'm putting them down. I maybe started at noon. 
uh, it was hot at noon. Um, so yeah, boy, you're. Hey, I'm on. I'm on break, so I can just. I don't got anywhere to go. Yeah, you finished your summer school. You can do whatever the hell you want. You earned it, pal. Straight A's for our boy Tut. Yet. Woohoo! Straight A's. I was telling Kate, I never want to do a physics problem or look at physics again. And he got an A in his intro to bowling class, which, uh, yeah, no, that was history. I actually dropped intro to bowling. I had to retake intro to bowling four times at St. Mason, but I I got it right. (laughs) They eventually put the little bumpers up from the gutters and, uh, your boy made us proud. So we used to all drink the same beer when we were allowed to congregate in the same area. But now that, uh, Things are as they are, and we're spread out all over Central Texas. We have the privilege, I guess, we make the best of it, to each select a different beer to try to pair with uh, the evening cigar. And I never start with me. So I'm going to start with me tonight, Yak Boy. I'm revisiting one from our past. Uh, Devil's Backbone. Hey! I'll triple from Real Ale Brewing. located in Devil Horns of me? Texas. Uh, they're actually this for this evening. They are the the grandfathers of the breweries. They were started back in 1996, so they are one of the older uh, breweries in Texas, craft breweries in Texas. Of course, that distinction of oldest goes to, of course, the Spetzel Brewery. Of course, speaking of Shiner Bach, but for Devil's Backbone, like I said, it's Belgian style triple. Which means it does come in a little bit higher, more powerhouse, 8.1%. 35 IBUs, it is a triple. Belgian st- the, the Belgian style triple, I mean, it, it has higher, a little bit more power, but they don't, it doesn't really give it a, that, that heaviness kick. It still has very much of a light taste to it. It really but, I mean, does. But that, that's, the, that's just the, the triple style that, well, it's weird that, uh, you know, a brewery here in our home state got a triple so right. I remember that we really, really liked this one. God, yes, we featured this probably 2016, 17, maybe. Oh, yeah. But the, I mean, they have been making the devil's backbone. Right. But I, but I haven't had it. Like, we haven't had it since. Uh, right. Or I haven't drank it since. But I remembered we really liked it. And Tut did a triple on the show not too long ago. And I was like, shit, I have not had a triple in so long. And then, of course, we're doing a, a devil movie tonight. And I saw the devil's backbone. I forgot just how damn smooth this triple is. It is. It reminds me a lot of the Donde do. It does. When I had I had had it here as well. Uh, several episodes ago, and I was like, oh, that's you right. Know, you did go back to it. And, you know, I saw you were doing it. And I didn't want to revisit it. And, I was like, ah, but I mean, that was about the only themed one I could actually find. Yeah. Was- it's surprisingly so. hard to find themed beers for tonight. Well, we had two things we could go after the devil or lust. And I couldn't find a, a, a lusty, sexy, lose your virginity yep. beer. And, and they looked at me very weird in that yeah. liquor store. And I was like, what are you trying to find, sir? I'm like, a beer to, you know, goes with losing your virginity. Yeah, well, that was better than my conversation when I was like, I need a beer to pair with a 17-year-old male virgin. They looked at me weird. I bet. 
Well, maybe if you'd walked in there with some cargo shorts and a Tommy Bahama shirt. I did. Oh. oh. That makes no sense whatsoever then. Yeah. Um, boy, it's it's just got it's got a wonderful aroma off the pour. It's uh, slightly malty, but that malt dissipates immediately uh, on a swallow, and then it's just a very smooth, flavorful. I mean, you get a little bit of after that malt dissipates, man. You get uh, some plum, it's kind of darker fruits, but then they kind of quickly evaporate into a really crisp swallow. Man, it's just a complex fucking beer. That's why I love triples. You get a whole bunch of stuff going on, and it's not just a one-note deal. It's yeah, uh, you're 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 knocking it out of the park with what you're telling me. It's a roller coaster in your mouth, Tut, and everybody's enjoying the ride. Um, so yeah, so I think this is good, and it's it's actually, um, I think pairing very well with the with the Wonderlust because none of those things um, are bringing anything into the cigar necessarily. Um, I'm going to switch over to an IPA later, which might get some of that sweetness that was alluded to on the cold draw out of there. But uh, man, it's just, it's just dancing really well with it, uh, especially the, the, the easy malts and that crisp back in. Um, yeah. It's just playing really nice with the cigar so far. And I was worried with a triple, if they're not done right, you can really kill a cigar. Um, but no, yeah. It's doing it's it's really really nice. So, so yeah, you're doing the the devil's backbone as well. No. Oh, no. you did find something else. Okay, you you're next. Okay. Well, like I said, you know, theme appropriate. I, I that was about the only one I could find where I was looking, but I went with uh, just it is a, a double hazy IPA called Haze of the Dead from Distal Brewing. Okay. So it's uh, part of the uh, their Deadhead series which has uh, quite a following. They've got like six in there uh, of, the, of the series. So this is their sixth in that version. And I was like, the only thing that just struck me is like, well, Deadhead series, Deadheads, that's kind of a cult. They are kind of a cult. So tonight's movie deals with a cult. So And hell is full of the dead. This is true. Very, that's- very that's the only guys that are hanging out down there. And they want the 17-year-old dead. That's true. True. Uh, Hands of the Dead, uh, it is a little bit of a powerhouse as well, 8.5%. Uh, 83 IBUs, but I'm going to go, it's probably mid-60s. That or I'm just too much of an IPA guy that 83 isn't what it used to be. I'm gonna have to amp up the hop game. I'm gonna need like 150. It's, it's not. It's like the it's like the Olympics. Ten used to be great, you know, that was the perfect score. And now, you know, if you get a ten, you're not even making the medals. Do you guys watch any of the Olympics? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of the Olympics. Hey Yax, I actually did the Haze of the Dead. Was it the Haze of the Dead? It was back way back on episode 122 when we did the Chuck Norris film Silent Rage. <laughs> I did Haze of the Dead. See if you agree with my synopsis. Uh, it was the most ballsy beer of the night. You know what else is ballsy? Chuck Norris's balls. That's what. I'm reading my description. 
and a character from that film kept coming back from the dead. Remember the psycho killer? So obviously it paired well. Um, I said that although I was saddened by the huge influx of hazy IPAs on the market because I wasn't a fan, this puppy really sang to me. I like the citrusy aroma of papaya, cantaloupe, and orange, and the high IBUs really helped its cause. Just be sure to drink it ice cold, I recommended. Are you drinking it ice cold yet? I am drinking it ice cold. Are you getting the papaya? It's papaya-ish. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I Apparently, I really liked it. I have no memory of it, obviously. It's a full of rage. I just thought it sounded really familiar. Uh, I think we've done a couple of those Grateful Dead line of uh, beers on the show. I think so. Um, okay. You know what? I did the uh, driving that haze here about two episodes ago. Okay. Uh, how's it pairing with the cigar? I'm sorry. Surprisingly, I thought, you know, I always, you know, the Wanderlust take it for it being a little bit, you know, stronger cigar. So I figured I should amp it up a little bit, but I don't, I don't think it's conflicting at all. My only concern was like at the beginning, just cause this is such a, it's a, it's a sweeter IPA that what I was tasting was I was getting that from the beer and not the cigar, but no, I was right. In fact, that the there was a sweetness in the cigar. I am now getting. I don't know. I don't know what's in the filler of this cigar, but I guarantee you there is some Nicaraguan, because I am getting that classic Nicaraguan mineral mm-hmm. uh, uh, that I so associate with, like the Hoya de Nicaragua Gran Gran Antano. Uh, mixed, it's coming through the retro hail with that uh, mixed in with that spice is that classic Nicaraguan mineral which hey skip please tell me if i'm wrong but it's just it's such a unique characteristic of nicaraguan tobacco some nicaraguan tobaccos that i just i just light up when i get it and just at about an inch in look at that straight burn line at about an inch in it just started joining that that spice through the nose and going along with that earth and kind of nuttiness on the draw shit man it's great yeah, and I think is I think it's a little bit uh, too prevalent to associate with the Matafina or the Indonesian tobaccos. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna back you on it. That mineral, I always uh, feel confident saying. I'm not a tobacco expert, but are I you s- an amateur tobacco researcher? Because <laughs> apparently, amateur researchers have a lot of pull. <laughs> I am not. I'm just a guy who smokes a shitload of cigars. I try to learn as best I can. And um, that, especially when Yakboy and I were, were smoking pure, you know, pure, pure leaves and, um, you know, really getting to know Nicaraguan tobaccos really well when we were down there. Uh, that mineral is just the, the, the two cigars I first fell in love with when I started really heavily smoking premium cigars you know, 10, 10, 11 years ago uh, was the Hoya de Nicaragua Gran Antonio. And soon after that, the Undercrown, um, which really the League of Nine, but I could afford the Undercrowns. Uh, and I just kind of went from there. But that that mineral and that 
in that Hoya de Nicaragua, I've chased it ever since. And when I do get it, and I, do, I get in a lot of uh, Nicaraguan blends, uh, it's just it's just one of my favorite components, one of my favorite notes. Um, and I love that it popped up here. All right. One Man Remains. We have the Haze of the Dead, which sounds very spooky. we got a lot of Satan stuff in tonight's movie. We've got the Devil's Backbone, which is ironic because the head of the Satanic Church in tonight's movie looks like he has no backbone. It's very hunched over. Uh, so he has some kind of sclerosis going on. What is Tut drinking tonight, Yen? Hey, can can I can I because I got inspired uh, when you when you said you mentioned something to Yax. Uh, can I do a little intro and then turn it over to Yax to to tell us about? Oh, I've been begging you for six years to get some initiative and do something. Yes. If you come on down to Texas, you can find your little place around an hour outside of Austin, an hour outside of Houston, and forty-five minutes out of College Station. You got Longhorns, you got Aggies, and you got Cougars. Of course, we're talking about good time and brewing in Britton, Texas. Yaks, tell us about what's brewed there. Raise a little Hellas lager. Brazos Valley Brewing. You just did, did Did they pay you for that? No, no. I, they, they might. Why do I see dollars behind you? To, what's going I, on here? I want to. Are you that big a fan of this brewery that you cooked up a little commercial for? No, you just you mentioned something and all it just instantly. You, I don't even remember what you said, but it just instantly sparked a key fieri on me, and I was just like, "Oh, I can't be, I can't be guy." So I'm just, I'll do, I'll do my thing. Oh, that was uh, your guy fieri. No, it's not my guy fieri. I was just being an energetic food host, <laughs> passing it on. Oh, okay. I'm not trying to be Fieri at all. Oh. But I'm inspired by Fieri. You know, now some I, people are all like, oh, it's Bourdain or nothing. I'm, I'm a Fieri guy. I like Fieri. Well, yeah, because this is nothing new to us. Tut tries something new, and we're both confused. Are we going to like see like – I'm an hour thing? south of Austin, Texas. We're going to see Tut in the Camaro with Fieri riding in the intro of the show now? Ponytail waving in the breeze. Oh. Just hey. two people who love food. Uh, we'll, and Matt Booth with his sparkle dildo in the back. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'd watch. I'd watch that show. <laughs> if it was the only thing on. <laughs> uh, I've seen this Family Guy a hundred times. What? Uh, oh, there's Tut and Matt Booth and a dildo. I'll give this ten seconds. <laughs> you only get ten though. Deliver. Yak boy, tell us about. I love the name. Great job picking out something uh, for the spirit of tonight. Tell us something about this beer, yeah, boy. Uh, it is a Munich-style Hellas lager, a light lager, uh, 5.2%, uh, 14 IBUs, of course, being just a light lager, very low on the IBUs. But uh, the uh, Brazos Valley Brewing, BVB, as they go by, uh, started back in 2013, and been rocking it out since then. Um, of course, the the Hellas style. I mean, it is you know Munich style and German. So to emulate a German lager 
it's everyone says it's it's an easy recipe, but it's very hard to actually accomplish. So if he's taking, I would, I would think that they are in the spirit of things. Uh, I I have not had uh, many pure German beers from Germany, other than your normal Spatens and things like that. Uh, so I don't have a a great German or Germanic baseline to put with it, but I think that they've got the spirit of it. Those little funk when you first start going at it, uh, it's almost kind of getting into a Marzahn uh, territory, but it's a little bit, I almost insulted the beer by thinking it was Marzahn watered down. Uh, but that's kind of what a Hellas kind of is to me. Um, but we are approaching October. So, you know, let's warm up with a little Hellas. Do you like it? Yes, actually, actually, I do. Uh, it's, it's. I, I would like for it to be a little bit more flavor forward, uh, but for right now in August, I'm cool with it. Uh, you know, let's let's keep the temperatures down. Uh, absolutely. Uh, okay. Well, three very different beers, uh, and I actually got a, a different one to transition to in a little bit. I uh, lately I've been I've been taking my my oldest daughter with me when I get my, my booze for the show and I'll, she'll ask me what the theme of the show is. And I'll be like, I'll give her something very vague. And I, I couldn't very well tell her teen lust. <laughs> what is teen lust, dad? Ugh. So I, 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 I told her, uh, you know, demons or love and uh, see what you can come up with. And she found a beer that actually looked really cool and it supported a really good cause. So okay. I'm going to transition to that here in a little bit. We'll talk more about then. We'll s- Real quick, uh, I am about, I don't know, still at towards, I'm well, still in the first third, actually. It's a slow-smoking, uh, somewhat slow-smoking cigar. Maybe I'm just talking a lot and touch smoking really fast. Because uh, I'm enjoying the fuck out of it, and I am just, I am not following Sifu Blanco and slowing down and enjoying the cigar. I am just like a total ugly American just consuming the fuck out of it. My impression at this point uh, is consistent with my previous uh, experiences smoking the Wonderlust. Incredibly smooth. Um, like I said, that spice and mineral uh, combination on the retrohale mixed with the the just a really far from strong, the medium earthy tobaccos mixed with some nuttiness. And um, it's just a, such a smooth smoke. Uh, probably my the smoothest smoke for me in the entire Roma Craft catalog. Oh, hands down. Hands down. By far. And I, and I should say that saying that my favorite Roma Craft cigars, hands down, is anything in the Neanderthal line. I'm a Neanderthal whore. Uh, whether it's the original uh, Vitola, whether it's the Lancero, uh, whether it's the variations of the genetic deformity. One year we gave all three of those our our number one cigar. Uh, the you little can't elf- do that. You can't do that. You need to take a stand. Hey, that guy made up. We're, we're cool with that guy. <laughs> uh, but no, but the, the LH, which is a power fucking nicotine Lajero bomb. I love that little bastard. I, I'm just... To me, they're, you know, whereas Drew, we talked a lot about Drew Estate earlier, when they changed the game for their company with the Ligas, uh, I, I felt like Roma 
blew past a lot of competitors when they dropped that Neanderthal. Um, and I think it was right around when they first came on the show uh, many, many years ago. Uh, we were doing a show with them at TJ's Cigar Lounge in McGregor, Texas, and they came on and they handed us some fresh Neanderthals straight from the factory. And we just were, yeah. complete, our socks were literally blown off. They were just awesome. I know it's the doctor. It's, I believe it's the doctor's favorite cigar, like number one go-to cigar. He loves that cigar. And it's, it's always, I'll always put that in my top five. Yeah. It's hard for me to pass up when I'm in a lounge. I usually always buy one when I'm at Smoker's Abbey because it's just, I want to, I want to chase something new, but, Damn it, I, I, I do like it. Unfortunately, well, they you, carry a lot. Well, of I know it. you are currently in love with the Romacraft Baca Grand Perfecto. Uh, I am. I was just about to say to to piggyback on what you were talking about with the Wonderless smoothness. Yeah, you're right. Hands down, it's the smoothest smoking cigar that they have. I'm always amazed by Roman cigars have a little bit of a heavy heavy tone to them, uh, and that's the reason. And I loved them. I, I loved them for that. I believe that's the Manbacco. The Manbacco, the testosterone, if you the will. Testosterone, yes. yes. Uh, and I and I love them for that. But then I'm amazed at when you get a hold of that Wonderlust, and it's it's flavorful, but doesn't have that heavy tone. It has a nice moderate tone. It it's treats complete. you right the entire time, and you can taste. But you still get that little that little element of the earth, the nuttiness. I mean, it's just this that nice just that nice presence all the way throughout the cigar. Cut, dare I say it has, dare I say it has a refinement to it? Refined palates like yours would say that. Oh, a website did say I had the best palate in the known universe. <laughs> By the way, that website I don't think exists anymore, but for <laughs> Russian hackers, Russian hackers took it down. But you're right. I, I am a fan of the, uh, the, what is it? Cameroon off of the, the, the Baca, the Baca. uh, I, I and, and it's weird because only in the Grand Perfecto Vitola. It's kind of like what you were talking about with the Toro and the Wonderlust. Yeah. With the Grand Perfecto in the in the Baca, I like the other Bacas. They're okay, but the Grand Toro just says, "Hey, Tut, you and me, we're gonna have hey, a great time." Tonight. Hey, that that beautiful Grand Perfecto of the Wonderlust that when you guys went to Weasel Fest and got those Grand Perfectos. That weasel, that wonderlust Grand Perfecto is a gorgeously presented cigar. Just aesthetically yeah. in your hand, it is gorgeous. But I, I've smoked one and I, I still absolutely prefer this Toro. And I want to also say real quick, there is a creamy, smooth, uh, Roma cigar that I th- don't think gets enough love. And that's the Intemperance EC goodness. It's a box press Connecticut. You don't see it kind of get any kind of accolades. And it is a beautiful morning cigar with coffee. Uh, the EC goodness is, is it's super smooth, uh, super creamy. And um, all right, well, we're, we're giving these guys enough love for now. Oh, wait, I want to give for one more. And that's the, uh, the, oh, here we uh, go. The, the Candela that they put out. I love that little bastard too. Oh, that's true. The the Fomorian, or not the Fomorian, I'm sorry, the, what's it called, Tut? The, uh... Shit, don't get me lying. I was hoping... Oh, is it? I think it is the Fomorian. I think it is the Fomorian. I think so. Yeah. I was I was thinking that was the big old nine-inch one. That's the femur. That's the femur. 
Yeah, the Fomorian is their their candela, and you're right. All I know is that every time I see it in the cigar in the lounge, I buy the crap out of it right away. In fact, we I was <laughs> when they had it there at uh, Smokers, and it was only in there for like two days. Smokers uh, at Smokers Abbey and Abbey. Also- it, uh, I just happened to walk in at the right time, right place, and Ian was like, "Hey, hey, Tuck, look right there. I'll take all of them." They know what they're doing with Candela. All right, fine. I'll give them one more shout out. They're Black Irish, uh, which is which is uh with a, a a barber pole with a Candela. It's so fucking good. That that actually after the Neanderthals is my second favorite. Well, if I could get a box of Black Irish, that'd be my favorite. Actually, I love that cigar. Welcome it's to so the good. Tuesday Night Roma Craft Show. Uh, brought to you by uh, Matt Cade, Cody Lesker, and Jason Bell. Which sucks because we're sucking these guys off so much, and I know I'm going to get shit for the the part of the show where we we talk about these flavors. That's okay. No relationship is perfect. Oh, you got sweetness there, right, asshole? <laughs> no relationship. Well, you know, at least at the end of the show, we'll say, you know, everything we tasted, it was all lies. Always, so all it was was just tobacco. Just good tobacco. Tobacco. Uh, well, hey, speaking of cigar boys, cigars, y'all know who makes some really flavorful, good ones? Uh, our friends over at Drew Estate. You nailed it, Tut. And one of their most flavorful offerings in their vast portfolio is the Herrera Steli Miami, crafted by Level 9 Cuban Rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze on Cali Ocho. The Herrera Esteli Miami line is expertly rolled with a lavish... Yeah, buddy. Is it? It's the doctor. When he's here, it screws me up. He intimidates you. No, don't go that far. Vocabularistically. I just feel really weird around him, and I want to impress him. I guess that is intimidating. Okay. Uh, Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder. With select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua, the new look of Herrera Steli Miami features rich black and gold packaging and is available in five sizes. This tasty cigar is now available at Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. I think we recently rated a 91 on the show. Well Uh, deserved. If you like a beautiful cedar profile on an expertly constructed cigar with just the right amount of pepper on the nose, but if cedar is your jam, get your ass online or to your local brick and mortar and get you some right now. And it is my jam. Cedar and pepper on the nose. You're talking some of my favorite notes. Good cigar. It's a really good cigar. I'd also like to take a moment to talk about something very cool, Cigar World. Cigar World is an online site for cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. I think that's actually why the doctor isn't here tonight. I think he's involved in some deep testing lab research, and he couldn't, couldn't break free. Very deep. Uh, you can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing cigars. Check it out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. You know, Our boy cool. uh, Joe Grow just posted a picture of this beautiful underground cigar resting on a Mandalorian mug. Oh, it's a tiki mug. He, he, oh. does, all, he does all the tiki mugs. I am not a big Tiki Mug fan, but it's a gorgeous pick. I'm sure he's very sad because he's not here tonight and he's drinking his sorrows away. Sorry, Joe. 
Yeah, he's apparently drinking his ass off. We'll we'll get you back on here as soon as humanly possible. Um, well, there you go. And I get this. I actually went to cigarworld.com. I have certain feelings about memories of tobaccos. And every once in a while, I kind of want to take a proactive step. And like, am I remembering this right? Am I remembering that Brazilian tobacco uh, falls more in line on medium strength and some sweetness? Or am I confusing that? Because I drink so much, I get really confused. Yeah. And I forget stuff. So I actually went to Cigar World and they have a kind of tobacco tutorial, which gives you some very general ideas of different regions and what those tobaccos do. And it, it, I, according to Cigar World, I had it right. They, they reaffirmed my. So if I wanted to like, if I wanted to brush up on a, excuse me, do my amateur research on the difference between Brazilian Matafina and Brazilia Amaparica. Amaparica. The, the A one. Yeah, the one that's in the, uh, was that the Amazon Basin? Yeah, the Amazon, the CAO Amazon Basin. And, They'll uh, tell me that stuff? Apicaripa? Aparaca? Will they tell me how to pronounce it? No, they did not have uh, phonetic spellings. Uh. But I, I can get those for you if you give me a little bit of time. Okay. I know people. I know people. I might have to go yeah. check them out, man. But yeah, it's a, it's a really informative site. So uh, head over to Cigar World. Head over uh, to your local shop. Buy some uh, Herrera Stelly Miamis. And I think you'll be happy. I think you'll thank us for it. How about that? Tonight's film, the third component of what we do here, and we do so well, according to that website that doesn't exist anymore. Lust. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Lust in the Dust. I failed to change it in my notes. This is, <laughs> this is interesting. We, I, we did a last-minute curveball here. Uh, tonight's film is 2014's Teen Lust. So my wife was like, so what are y'all watching this week? And I was like, Teen Lust. And she just looked at me and goes, damn it, Cade. And I was like, he swears it's a legit movie. He swears it's not softcore. Hey, all you got to do is say the magic words that I said to my wife, because if you say these words, no matter what movie you're doing, you could be like anally probe virgins. And she's like, oh, damn it, Kate. And you're like, it stars the main dude from Princess Bride. And they're like, oh. I, I said that. And she was like, mm-hmm. Oh, Wesley from Princess Yeah, it stars Wesley from Princess Bride. Oh, I love him. <laughs> yeah, you do. What does he do in this movie? He's the leader of a satanic cult. Oh, he, that's so cute. He legitimizes whatever you say next. <laughs> uh, we're doing Gangbang Bitches 17. Oh, God, Kate. Starring the guy from Princess Bride. Oh. The Dread Pirates Roberts himself. Uh, no, it's Teen Lust. And yes, it is the most curious choice for a mainstream movie title ever and i kind of dig it for that um which explains a lot like why i never heard of this movie before i it's hard to it's hard and the, and the poster is this teenage girl's back with teen lust as a tramp stamp over her butt crack wait that was my as first she, as she's taking her bra like here's the movie we're doing uh <laughs> then I did the and then I did the same thing. Well, I'll go look it up on IMDb. Hey, 
Carrie Yules is in this. This is oh, awesome. I, oh, I thought I thought Yags was saying the opposite. Ooh, Teen Lust. Oh shit, the guy from Princess Brides in this. <laughs> I did the exact same thing everybody else. Yeah, I did I did not I did not look it up on IMDb. I I did a quick uh summary search and I read the summary and I was like uh, okay, this sounds like a campy comedy. I'll give it a shot. We've done it. I went into a oh, I went into a blind. That we were already softcore that had all the scenes cut out. So I thought that's what this was and I was like, I don't want I was like I feel cheated. Then when I done, saw it has Carrie Yules in it, I knew it would be good. Everybody likes Carrie Yules. We've done softcore porn on the show before that had no sex in it. We've done Skinamax movies. We we those were fun and we had fun with them, but uh, no uh, teen lost is not that. Let me tell you a little bit about it. The film was co-written by Jason stone and director Blaine Thurrier who plays the synthesizer in the popular Canadian band, the new pornographers. Have you ever heard of that? Name? I actually think I have. I had, I hadn't, I, couldn't tell you the music, but I had heard of the band's name. Yeah, it's a very memorable uh, band name. Um, I think they're hipster nonsense, but I don't know. Uh, I I don't get paid enough to go listen to that stuff. Uh, <laughs> so the original plan tonight was to do a Drew Estate cigar, talk to Joe, and do a movie based on that cigar. That got scrapped. Then the next plan I came up with, once I knew we were doing the Wonder Lust cigar was to talk about a crazy Japanese zombie flick I found called Lust for the Dead, which was crazy. And it looked like a lot of fun. We've had some fun with some Japanese uh, titles in the past. It involved a virus turning all men into horny zombies. But when I went to IMDb to learn more, I discovered that the full title was Rape Zombies, Lust for the Dead, where the virus makes all the men in Japan horny as hell and they rape all the chicks. And I decided against that. I wasn't really feeling like justifying cinematic zombie rape scenes to Tut all night. Well, the funny thing is, is that in my head, I was like, you know what? If there's ever a way that Kate can get all of his stuff under the Tut radar, do it as a Japanese movie because you know look at think back to Wild Zero that had some crazy ass themes in it and I'm totally fine with it if, as long as it's wrapped in a Japanese movie I thought I'm like, I could I'm okay but then I when thought I could I when thought you I could that? I thought I could get away with it but there was one scene where the the Japanese girls who are of course all in little schoolgirl outfits where they they. Uh, managed to wrangle some of the horny male zombies and tie them up to trees, and they just take target practice shooting their dicks off. And I was like, I don't know, even Tut might give me some shit about this. So there I shifted, and I chose the hilarious 1984 Western Lust in the Dust, which again sounds like another Skinamax movie that I, I, I would have picked. But it starred legendary drag queen Divine from the John Waters, Pink Flamingos, and his classic movies, 50s teen heartthrob Tab Hunter, Batman's original Joker himself, Cesar Romero, was in it as a Mexican priest, and it had a little person, Bandito, on a horse. 
I actually looked this one up and I was like, all right, I'll give this a go. That show would have been fucking awesome. And we were this close yesterday. That's where I was. And you, I sent you that yeah. movie. I was, I was about to rent it as soon as I got home. But then I stumbled across this flick called Teen Lust and pulled a, lost, a last minute audible. Seriously, do you guys know how hard it was for me to pass on a Western with a little person outlaw on a horse? Oh, we would have had fun. We would have had so much fun with that. Did y'all see in the news recently that there was a a little person inmate? I think it was Illinois who tied a bunch of bed sheets together, old school style and escaped out of his cell window, climbed down to freedom. No comment. He was a little condescending. No comment. No comment. So did I make so did I make the right call going to Teen Lust tonight? Only the next two hours will tell, boys. Only the next two hours will tell. Yagboy, yeah, do you need a medic? Was that joke so funny that you're having trouble breathing? Yes, that's exactly what it is. My my esophagus just seized up from all the laughter, and my heart stopped. A little con descending. Let's get into this movie then and see if I made the right call. Satan, the devil, Lucifer, Prince of Darkness, Yan Luang, Belial, Abaddon, Beelzebub. Our movie starts off with our teenage hero, Neil, walking through the hallways of his high school, reciting the many names for Satan in his head as he ogles all the cute girls and some smoking hot teachers as they pass by his locker. Neil is a dork by every definition of the word. Super dorky haircut, dresses like a dork. He's got zero social life. And his best friend, Matt, is a giant dork as well. But he'd be the last one to admit it as he's, he's the rare dork who's full of self-confidence, not that it gets him anywhere with the ladies. Think ducky, but way less creepy. That's his best friend, Matt. Did y'all recognize the actor playing Matt? Uh, No, no, I didn't. I didn't know his name, but I recognized him. He played Junie, the little son in the original Spy Kids movies. Yes. Yeah, I didn't see that. Way back when. And we actually featured him here on the show. He was one of the activists... They got eaten alive in the green inferno. Oh, yeah. Yep. The Amazon cannibals that ate the, the Greenpeace kids. I just remember uh, an airplane propeller chopping some person in half and then the dude jacking off in the cage. That's you what just, I remember from that. You just described like 50 movies we've done. <laughs> well, that's good because I, li- I liked him here. And he was good in Green Inferno, too, but he's really good here. Um, I thought immediately, and it only grew through the end of the film, that these two actors really played off each other well. I believe their friendship from the get-go, and really, this movie is going to be sunk early on if they didn't. Do you guys agree? I, I, I dug these guys and totally bought into them as best friends. Yes. I did too. Uh, I there's only one part in the movie to where I thought it went a little off the rails with the with the chemistry between the guys, 
but in terms of did I believe that they were friends? Yes. Do I believe that they liked each other? Yes. Do I believe? And that, but then, I, I, I wanted to root for these guys immediately. Ted, bring it up when those moments come up if I skip over them because you're right. There are some moments where it's almost like the screenwriter wanted to create conflict with these two that wouldn't really be there with high school friends. A- absolutely. Absolutely. But there's a lot of forced shit in this movie that yeah that doesn't. I, ch- I chalked it up to one the screen and, and it's hard to put it on the screenwriter you're working in a short time frame you got to try to fit all this stuff in there so i'm not going to get on him too hard for this because he he they 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 hit it more than they missed it yeah and like a good cigar you try to make it complex when sometimes a little less is maybe more don't 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 if it's work, yeah. if it's working, and you're lucky enough to get good actors, you don't you don't have to kind of go there. But uh, we'll we'll get to that. So for once, Neil's dork centric talents pay off for him, as Matt talks the super popular girl Cheryl into letting Neil do one of his magic tricks for her in the school hallway. When she picks a card from Neil's deck and he tears it up only to have it magically appear in her bra a moment a moment later, the hot chick is impressed and kind of turned on. She's actually so taken with Neil and his magic skills, she invites him to a party that she's throwing at her house next weekend. But Neil says he has a church thing to go to that oh. night, unfortunately. That actually hurt, Neil. She's hot. That actually hurt to watch. And, and his friend Matt's, like, visibly hurt, too, because he could have tagged along. Uh, man. Right away, right away, we've got teenage angst, and we've got a party about to happen. Yes, we do. I'm on board. It, the ingredients are here, buddy. Matt accuses Neil of having a severe case of vagophobia. I wish the doctor were here tonight. If we could find out, if that's a real thing. Uh, have you guys ever heard of vagophobia? No, I that was never inflicted with such disease. Tuttle, if you have some doctor glasses nearby, if you could just say, my God, the fear of vaginas is going to be so immense. I just never heard of a thing. I mean, and unless you bat for the other team. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've never heard of vagophobia. Uh, but the truth is, Neil has taken an oath to his parents that he would avoid all sexual contact. And that includes going to awesome parties and, and banging awesome girls like Cheryl. Uh, oh, yeah, get this, boys. The actress playing Cheryl, speaking of performers we've featured on the show before, you recognize her? Mm-hmm. No? Say as I have. Okay. Her name is Amy Gronig, and she was one of the leads in a film we did here on the show many moons ago that we still can't speak of to this day without upsetting Tut to the point of tears. Remember Father's Day? Oh! When the hero of the film, the eye eye patch wearing Ahab decided to bang his hot sister. And while banging her doggy style, she transformed into the fuck manicus. That's this chick. That's this chick. She signed on for Father's Day. We've seen her naked in both female and sweaty, obese demon form. Okay. That is the sign we've been doing this show too long. It's just an incestuous cast that we've developed. It is very incestuous, our filmography here. Anywho, 
now that you've now that you've washed away the thoughts of her getting banged doggy style turning into the fuck manicus demon when cheryl's wrestling team right now (laughs) i wish i could hand you boys one of these devil's backbones through the zoom screen (laughs) chug this it'll make everything better um well cheryl's wrestling team superstar boyfriend kent gets wind that Neil was messing with his girl's bra because he had to put that card in there. There's no such thing as magic. He starts marching through the halls looking for revenge. And this prompts Neil to dart into the janitor's closet where he accidentally leans on a giant liquid soap dispenser, which squirts out a heaping load of white goo all over his crotch. And of course, when the jocks push their way past his buddy, Matt into the closet they find Neil furiously rubbing his goo-covered pants. Hey, everyone! Neil's jerking off in the closet, Kent yells, and everyone starts laughing at our hero. Out. Neil's fellow dorky but really cute friend, Denise, shoves the wrestlers away from the door and closes it behind her. Just let him finish. I do like that. Dude, that was so- That's a friend. That's a friend. I love that she like just assumed that he was jerking. Just, let's just let him finish. The day isn't starting off on a really good note, is it yet? No, no. not really. Poor Neil. <sighs> but I feel for, I feel for Neil. High school, the awkwardness. Best friend is named Matt. It's just, just terrible. Wait, Cody, did you do card tricks? As a, as okay. Uh, Just wanted to check. He made he made beers disappear very quickly. <laughs> and you were never awkward, my friend. You were always fairly popular with the both sexes. I guess. But you did have a best friend named Matt who may have gotten some goo over him, his lap in the janitor's closet. <laughs> but the less we talk about him, the better. That was more like a weekly occurrence. Again, the the less we that we go into our own personal story, I don't think the, there's, our, so, there's so many people named Matt who could keep up with it all. I don't think our 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 viewers and listeners want to hear about our personal uh, backstories. Uh, Yaks, I it's the last time I'm going to mention it. Uh, if if it happens again, Yaks, I'm going to have to give you a, a disciplinary something or other. Um, why do they keep that shit in the janitor closet where you can easily just squirt it on yourself? That weekend, Neil and Matt show up bright and early at the Church of Satan, where they don their black robes and settle in the congregation with seemingly half the town, including their parents. (laughs) The church is led by a priest named Sheldon, an eccentric, hunched-over man with stringy, long black hair, black, ornate rings on all of his fingers. Yes! Accompanied by his high priestess wife, Mary, at his side. And Tut, who is playing the head of the Church of Satan, Sheldon? Oh, you might have recognized him as Robin Loxley from uh, Men in Tights. Or you might have recognized him as the Jewel Thief Devereaux from the TV show Psych. Or more than likely, you recognize him as the Dread Pirate Roberts himself, Wesley from the Princess Bride, Carrie, fucking you. And, and I, is that how you say his name? Ills. 
Yule. That's how I say it because uh, yes, yeah, I I pronounce it like E U L E S, but I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I think it's ooh ooh ooh. Let, let me get that. Let me get that a weird lopsided lip thing he had going through this movie. Ooh. I'm not sure. All I, I'm all not though. Is he kills this thing? That's, oh, and by the way, his uh, his hot wife, you might recognize her as Pam from True Blood. Uh, when when I showed my wife her picture, and I'm like, you're never going to guess who plays Carrie Ill's wife in this. And she's like, oh, from True Blood. It's not where I recognized her from. I recognized her voice, not her face. I'm like, where do I know that voice? For you Seinfeld fans out there. In the Bizarro World episode of Seinfeld, oh, he played Jillian Manhands. She was Manhands, where she ripped open the lobster the tail with her hands, opened up the Budweiser with her hands. She's <laughs> man, she's Manhands. But my God, is she smoking in this? Indeed, she has aged well. You ought to go back and see True Blood. I actually watched the first. Probably two seasons of True Blood. I enjoyed it. That that was the one with the, that was the two seasons with the most sex. Yes, that's maybe why I enjoyed it. <laughs> and I, it's so hard for me to get into goofy vampires and werewolves and all that kind of nonsense. But but that I am a Anna Paquin uh, having sex fan, so that's cool. Uh, maybe I need to revisit that series tonight after we shut down our Zoom session. <laughs> The church cathedral is filled with pentagrams, mounted ram heads on the wall, skulls scattered everywhere, upside down crosses. And the teenagers, Matt and Neil, moan about how boring it all is, just like any teens would do stuck in church on a Sunday morning listening to a sermon. It's all played totally normal. While Sheldon is certainly played out mostly for laughs, Oh, God, and done so damn well. This is just what the majority of this small town does instead of following Christianity or some other path. They're not Muslims. They're not Jewish. This little town in Canada happens to have a huge Church of Satan following. I think that's one of the interesting little – I don't know if it was not. I'm going to I'm gonna credit the writers and say, yeah, it was intentional. It's that it could, this could have easily been – you know, Lutheran, as we see later, or the Southern Baptist or the Methodists or Muslims or any of the other mainstream religions. Uh, but no, this it happens to be the the Church of Satan. And it's interesting that the the zealotry that they tie into the other accepted religions. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Um... I do have one actual real world Church of Satan story. If this would be a good time. Hold it. I'll let you know. Okay. It's, it's coming up. So these folks believe that Satan is salvation, that God is the great deceiver, and that soon the world will be theirs by performing the celebration of Astaroth, in which young brother Neil will give himself completely to their Lord to foil the accursed forces of heaven. Hail I'm sorry. Hail Satan. Hell Satin. Hell Satin. Unbeknownst to poor Neil, by the way. Unbeknownst to poor Neil. Well, no, he they talk about him every ceremony that he's a big part of this. 
the boys then watch as Sheldon sacrifices a baby goat, goat on the altar with a sacred dagger. In nomine Santanas. But it's like an epic LARP with Carrie Yules as the main, the- main actor. But it's not shocking to them. They don't look away in fear. It's their normal. After the service, as the goat blood is being mopped up, Sheldon's wife, Mary, reminds everyone leaving the church that they're having a bake sale to raise money for the Church of Satan's bowling team this coming Wednesday. And she also gives Neil a shout out for how hard he's been preparing for next week's celebration of Astaroth. Everyone applauds as Neil rolls his eyes. And then he's quickly scolded by his father for talking with Matt during the service. You think that's funny? You think it's funny embarrassing your family in the middle of a service? Satanic dad was a who, wasn't he? Yes, like, he was. We've, I, like, I love we've, about it. It was just like, it was so typical. Like, we just slaughtered a goat for the Lord. Say, could you, would you talk to the servant? Shh, be quiet. Pay you attention. Think you think it's real funny, huh? It was basically like every Christian dad in these movies. Yeah. But just for Satan. Uh, by the way, am I the only one who wanted the, the bowling team to be named the Unholy Rollers? Oh, that would be good. Because all the Christian names are the Holy Rollers. Yeah, no, that would be the, I go with that. Okay. Uh, I dug Satanic Dad. He's not drunk dad status, but he's pretty fun. He's still a character in his own right, and he goes for it. I like it. He's a hoot. Uh, he's like the super uber Christian goober dad in every 80s teen movie, like John Lithgow in Footloose, mm-hmm. who's like against dancing and just worships at the foot of the Baptist preacher. Only this guy worships the Prince of Darkness and lives to impress Sheldon. And lives to impress Carrie fucking Yules. Yeah, it, it's at this point, it's really kind of hilarious and interesting. And I haven't seen this before. No, I I was I was totally on board. I, I, as soon as I saw this, I was like, "Holy crap, man! They're delivering funnies. I'm laughing. It it's a good ride." And honestly, Tut, when you came by my gym yesterday to pick up some cigars and deliver some cigars, I told you I was like, "Have you watched Lust in the Dust that Western yet?" And you're like, "No." And I'm like, "Thank God," because I was on the bike at my gym and I was at this point. Yeah, in it, and I knew at this point we got to do this movie. <laughs> this is going to be a better show, or at least a, a show that I want to do this week. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, I'd still like to go back and visit the Divine Comedy, but you know, this is the Divine Comedy. <laughs> um, well, well, uh, Tut, I have not forgot your Church of Satan story, so I, I promise. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. This, it's fine. We're I'll forget there. it. I'll forget it. And, you know, it'll, it'll be good. Well, you'd think with all his fellow satanic churchgoers and his parents constantly hyping up this big celebration that Neil, who he's been told is an essential part of it, maybe as a modern teenager, he would have Googled it at some point. The what is it? The cel- the celebration of Astro yeah. to see what the hell it was. But no, uh, he doesn't. Well, I would just I would just like to say like every uh, sexually frustrated churchgoer growing up in East Texas, uh, when you have that amount of hot parishioners, you don't really think about the details. You're just trying to score in the hotties. Well, he's been sworn to not explore those hotties. And I would just think different from you in the 90s, 
he has the internet. He's never been curious. Like, all right, I got to see what this Astaroth is. Especially if they're, especially if every week they're like, oh, you're going to play a big role in this. You are marked for specialness, my friend. And doesn't and doesn't Astaroth sound like one of those Norwegian death metal bands that Yak Boy would go see in concert? Bring back like a a hoodie with Astaroth and that <laughs> that death metal text across it. That's not true at all. I got four of those, by the way. They're awesome. <laughs> You sent me pictures of their stage set, and it was mecca. Well, Neil doesn't Google it, or he would have known that he is scheduled to be sacrificed on the equinox of his upcoming 18th birthday to appease Satan with the blood of a virgin and avoid Jesus Christ returning in the flesh to welcome in a thousand years of peace on earth. You wouldn't want that now, would you, Sheldon says. (laughs) Like, you wouldn't want a thousand years of peace now, would you? Neil's parents are like, oh, God, no, 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 no. Uh, Of course not. Sheldon also asked Neil's dad if he's made sure to keep Neil away from the girls and any opportunity for him to possibly penetrate them, as that's kind of a crucial thing to this whole thing. And his dad smiles and tells the priest, eh, that problem's kind of taken care of itself over the years. (laughs) My child's a ginormous dork. Uh, We haven't had to be too proactive on that, Sheldon. So we skip ahead a week to Neil's 18th birthday, where he's kind of bummed out as his parents have presented him with a lame-ass clown ice cream cake to celebrate. I'm 18. Like, really? When he admits that he's kind of having, they're like, what's wrong? Something's wrong with you, son. He's like, is it girl trouble? And he's like, kind of, I guess. His father and mother look at each other and freak out, asking, have you had intercourse? What about oral? Then his mom, who's really hot, she's she. This chick's in a lot of Lifetime movies. I recognize her immediately. She's like, "What about anal, son? Have you had anal?" Answer your mom. Did you have anal? I love that line. Answer your mother. Did you have anal? Right about now, my neighbors that are awake are going, "What the hell?" It's just the classic, but literally the theme. The questions are asking, "Did you do drugs? Did you smoke marijuana?" Have you had anal, son? Tell us. <laughs> it's a definite at this point spin on shit we've seen before, and I, I, I really am digging it. Neil's embarrassed by all this interrogating, especially his mom asking him about anal sex. He promises his folks that something happened at school the other day, the soap on his crotch, that pretty much guarantees he'll never, ever get laid again. The whole jerking off in the closet thing. Don't worry, I'm keeping my oath. Satanic dad's relieved to hear this. He tells Neil, look, man, look, son, I'm sure you're going through some pretty depressing teenage stuff right now. I've been there. I've done that. I even had a stupid haircut like you once. Dude, he does have a really stupid haircut. It's like buzzed three-fourths to here, then it just kind of poofs out in the front like a unicorn. But, dude, Neil looks at his mom like, dude, did dad just totally call my haircut stupid? Yes, son. But you are representing our family and our church. When it's all over, you'll have a fuller understanding of what this is all about. So, again, I'm sorry, not only is he religious dad, he's also football dad. He's the guy like your performance on the field is everything, you know, yeah. living vicariously through. 
He's he's the Tim McGraw of Satanists. <laughs> so again, Neil doesn't Google anything when he mopes away. And again, there are some real parallels here, Tut, to actual insane religious rituals that actually do take place here in our country. Dudes handing off their daughters as child brides to pervy preachers. We see that a lot in the news. The movie seems to be just about the laughs and the fun without digging in too deep to any relevance or even going any deeper with the satire than this surface level stuff. Were y'all cool with that approach or did you want them to make more of a. No, I'm fine with it. I actually. I didn't. I I like that they didn't make more of a comment on the poly, the, the, you know, the poly uh, religious thing or the. They could go even further to like the in Afghanistan, like the the taking of kid. They 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 just went for the laughs here. Yeah, and I I think that's kind of needed in this day because you know for one thing, audiences are smart enough to to pick up and and understand what you're trying to trying to say. You don't need to beat them over the head with it. And then another thing is that we've seen the South Parks, we've seen the the Family Guys, we've seen the American Dads, where they they have no problem taking you all the way into the trenches and they will absolutely be like, Oh yeah. Well, it's not like we married you to the pre to Sheldon. I mean, they would be making little just extreme jokes like that all the way through. I was fine without it. I, I, I didn't think it needed it. I was just, I was just so on board laughing my butt off at this point to where I, I didn't think that it needed all that. I was too, Todd. I thought they left it up to know it all films snobs like us to dig deeper if we wanted to to the parallels but they didn't need to do it even though i will say this it severely weakens the second and especially the third act because if it were played a little straighter there might have been a real sense of danger or dread building up to the sacrifice but as it is just laughs i never felt danger or dread yeah, and, that's that's where the this is listed as a horror comedy, and it fails big time on the horror part. It did, and I thought if it was done a little bit differently, those things could coexist. You could still have those laughs, but it could be really interesting if they if they balanced it a little bit more. Well, it's interesting because now that you said it, I remember thinking back, or I I don't remember thinking back. Now that you said it, it made me think back to The Green Inferno, which I've given a lot of crap. I don't think it's a good movie at all. But the one element they did do well is when they talked about the religious mutilation, that built up through the show. Like, it gave you a hint of it, and then you're like, once you realize that that's what was going to happen, and it got right up to that moment, there was a lot of dread. I mean, he did a good job of building that suspense. Yeah, you you were going to see it, and it was... But the fact that this thing is played just for laughs, and they don't go and try to intertwine these themes and things at all, it it really suffers in it later on when they're... Right. You you could have really had some, some tension and dread later, but... When you, I think they were just on board for the laughs, and that was it. And I'm when, you amass, it. when you pretty much off the bat emasculate the bad guys, that's over. Yeah. But they, but they still try to do that later, and it fails. But I'll get I'll address that down the line. That now that you said that, that'd be interesting to see if Carrie could actually balance 
Yes. The fun character that he built, because I guarantee and, you, he built that character. And, and, and the scariness. Yes. He's good. He's good enough. He could have done it. And it would have, oh, and it would have, it would have been, if you change the name from Teen Lust to something more accessible, it, this movie could have been seen by a much broader and been appreciated well, by a much broader audience. I was kind of hoping for, because I, if you remember his character, uh, movie, uh, Kiss the Girls, he ends up, you know, he starts out the fun, lovable character, but then he ends up being just. I don't think I've seen that movie. Oh, yeah, thank, thanks for the spoiler, yet. All right, well, never mind then. I thought y'all had seen it. Anyways, it's a, it's like it's like a '90s Ashley Judd thriller, right? I it think is. so. I, I I remember the title, really and good. I remember her being in it. And Yules, and that's what I was kind of expecting from this one that he this was where, like you said, they they kind of bill it as this thing. So I thought like it's you know you're starting with the camp and the cheesiness up front, and as we go on, it was going to get start to get darker and darker. I didn't think it was going to get dark at all. I, I didn't think this so. This is where I, we were at. And this but I kind of wish I wish that like just full blown. Like, but I thought it would like there would be some more elements where you're like all of a sudden. I thought I thought that it would try to find a balance and it could have with this cast. This cast is really fucking good. Oh, yeah. And it could have found a balance to where there was danger and a question of how this is going to end. You're kind of on your seat. But at the same time, you're laughing your balls off. That would have been great. And what I love about Carrie Yules, whether it's, and I, I don't think he gets enough uh, credit for hot shots. Yeah. I know, uh, I know Charlie Sheen gets most of the love for those movies. He was the perfect foil in that first hot shots movie. Yeah. But also, I mean, the first saw movie owes a lot of credit to his performance I mean, the guy can do pretty much fucking anything. So I would have liked them as much as I love this character. And I, yeah, he ate it up and I ate his performance up. You could have done something a little, I'll, a little bit different that would have resulted in something even better than what we got. I'll tell you this. I'm a care. I consider myself a Carrie fan and listening to you talk about it. I'm like, Crap, not only is, is America underrating this guy, I've underrated this guy. I think he might be undervalued. I really think so. But as it is, what we got with this movie, it's kind of like an American Pie movie with Satanists. That's that's exactly what I was thinking, is that it was American Pie. With with kind of a Satan side plot. <laughs> Real quick, to, now I guess would be the time to talk about the when you were, as a young man, some sexy handmaidens tried to bring you into the church of Satan. No, it's nothing that cool. In fact, it didn't even happen to me. Uh, a couple of years back, uh, one of the guys at our marketing agency went to New York and uh, he sent, he sends me this photo and the only caption on it is this is the most New York shit I have ever seen. And it was a little person with a top hat and a cape, like black cape with the red lining inside dressed to the fucking nines entering a door that said the church of Satan. Am I the only one that finds that funny? Was it a normal sized door? It was a normal sized door. Hmm. It would have been funnier if it was a little sized door. But well, it'd be funnier if it was one of those doors that's cut in half. What are those called, Yaks? Oh, the, the Dutch farm the Dutch, doors. The Dutch doors that have, like, he just opened up the bottom part and went through. Uh... 
I just thought it was funny. Like, here's this dude going into the Church of Satan like it's no big deal. It's the streets of New York. Of course, it's going to happen. Well, I'll share my a very – it's not really a story, but in middle school when I was really kind of a lost kid and I was big time into Slayer and uh, Metallica and, and just really hardcore into metal. This is before Yakboy and I met. Uh, I was just really obsessing. I, I I would read those CD booklets or the cassette, those long scrolls that came. Oh in yeah, those beautiful CD scrolls. I would just read the lyrics, the smell off of those things. Oh, oh god, that that new book smell was awesome. But I would I was just obsessed, and so I will admit, I went to the mall and I shoplifted the. Uh, Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Uh, you can't buy that thing. And it's kind of like begging to be stolen. Uh, it brings me happiness and pleasure. According to the book, well, I can... It brought the Dark Lord pleasure, too. According to the book, I can steal this. But I... I dude... I've never hid anything from my mom like as much as I hid that book. Like if she finds it, if she finds, you know, my, my playboys or my penthouses. All right. If she oh, finds, please. if she <laughs> finds the church, the, 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 the satanic Bible under my bed, <laughs> it's hard to explain that. You have some explaining to do. He's so, got a stack of playboys where he's cut them out and open it up. It's the book of Satan. And <laughs> think of all, I think of all, I was really hoping to see Chrissy Teague here, son. <laughs> I, I remember reading it and, um, cause I was just a curious kid and I, I just kind of wanted to well, think of all the stuff that was going down in the eighties too. That was in, you had the big satanic panic of the eighties. Yeah. This was the end of the eighties. It was a little after the satanic panic where, you know, Tipper Gore and the PMRC were crushing down on, on lyrics and, and, and album art. My mom is a very, very intelligent woman, and she was for certain MTV was the channel of the devil. Dungeons and Dragons was the devil's tool. I mean, she was well, in they, it. You had, you had, they believe that the band Wasp was We Are Satan's People. You had Kiss the band Satan's Service. You had the band Kiss, Knights in Satan's Service. Which they're singing about fucking love gun and yeah, you know, there's nothing Antichrist, Devil's Children. A C D C even got it. But I, I was just so curious and you'd see pictures uh, you know, of Sammy Davis Jr. attending these these Church of Satan event. They were like they were kind of out there in Hollywood, you know. Anton LaVey would be out there with his his cape and his devil horns and it was just, I think of the goth skit from Saturday Night Live. Oh, with John, with John Lovitz in the devil outfit. No, uh, it was uh, Chris Kattan and the other chick, and they were like goth kids doing like a. It was like Wayne's World except with goth kids. Oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> there, there was a satanic. There was a an SNL skit where John Lovitz wore this devil uh, outfit, and he actually looked a lot like Anton Lavey in the stupid suit. But uh, yeah, that was my brief uh, exposure to Satanism, and 
I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of found it all kind of silly and, but I found all religious kind of stuff silly. So it didn't really uh, ring different to me than anything else at, at that crucial time in this young man's life. Uh, okay. Well, Tut saw a little guy walking in a door and I shoplifted a satanic Bible. There you go. Hey, I'm sorry, Walden books. Are they even around anymore? They're not around no, you're, anymore. The, you're the reason why. Oh, so I, I can't get in trouble. Okay. okay. Just remember, Kate, the devil is watching you. Yeah. But I think if I go to hell for stealing the Satanic Bible, I'll be like in his cool book, right? Because that's, because that's literally the only thing I've ever done wrong. <laughs> Doesn't hurt, I guess. That night at the church. By the way, God, I am so sorry for this episode. Anyway, continue. We're not giving props to Satan. Hey, it's it's a conversation I'm having with my Lord and Savior. Doesn't bother you guys. I'm a little disappointed Tud didn't wear his deathgasm shirt tonight. But he only he only wears UT Longhorn shirts. No, uh, the uh, deathgasm shirt is a three quarter shirt, so it's got sleeves. It's too hot to wear right now. Okay. Trust me, with the many hell satin comments I'm doing, deathgasm is first and foremost in my mind. I actually thought tonight, like, have we ever? I love Satan horror. Like, I was like, have we ever done a devil movie before? And I was like, I guess deathgasm, maybe. It's kind of well, that, that was really closest. more of like a their resurrection. would be kind of and and Father's Day was fuck manicus. We had never done an actual. We yeah. almost. We almost did. Uh, there's a what great was the, one. The Devil's Candy was that kind of. That devil was. Stuff? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Good call. Good call. With Rusty Griswold as the yeah. artist. Yeah, that was another good movie. And the Texas real estate. I'm having to say it's probably the beer. It's probably the yeah the Texas real estate agency. Uh, it's probably the beer talking. I am just a big fan of IFC Midnight. Uh, they put out some really really cool stuff. Uh, yeah, I. I I think probably Devil's Candy. You're right, Todd. Is that was pure Satan? Uh, we have done a Devil's movie. There's another one. The name's escaping me right now because I've had some triples, uh, starring William Shatner and John Travolta. That I almost did on the show, um, and maybe our March to Halloween. I'll fit it in there if you guys go are on. Feel that? Okay. Why don't we just start the March to Halloween now? Uh, well. I, I can't do it right now, Todd. We're in the middle of another movie. Oh, okay, yeah. But, uh, Let's stop. We'll watch some things. We'll come back. All right. We're doing nothing but satanic movies all of October. Hail Satin. Hail Satin. This will turn weird. That night at the church, it's time for the ceremony to begin. But before it does, Priest Sheldon reminds the congregation to turn off their cell phones and all other electronic devices, which takes everyone a moment. Dude, just this high priest in this upside down cross robe waiting for everyone to turn off their shit. Dude, that's so that was that was that's great. Up. Yeah. And he that's then the right there that just made me like, you know what? It, they get it. They totally get it. He then resumes the service and says that 18 years ago today, their Lord chose Neil to join him in battle against the great deceiver. And now his spirit will join with the father on this holy night. He asked Neil to lay his earthly vessel upon the altar. And Neil, dressed in a white cloth robe, does as he's told. 
But his buddy Matt is starting to get a little suspicious. <laughs> no, I love his buddy Matt. It's like, oh, I think this is where they're going to, I think you're going to have sex in front of everybody. At first, at first, he thinks that these sexy satanic handmaidens that are escorting Neil to the altar are going to fuck him in front of everyone. Oh, this is going to be epic. It's going to be awesome. But then he soon realizes as Sheldon raises the golden dagger above and says, the sacrificial lamb will now stand forever with Lucifer and Hades. Oh, my best friend's about about to be slaughtered. (laughs) Relax, dude. Sacrificial lamb's just a metaphor, Neil said. He thinks he's getting laid. Uh, as the hot devil chicks rub his thighs. But when he finally opens his eyes and sees that fucking knife over him, Neil rolls off the altar and both he and Matt run like hell with the entire congregation in hot pursuit. By the way, this is 143 episodes where I've said the term hot pursuit. (laughs) I've literally not gone an episode with saying hot pursuit. Uh, the best friends escape out from behind the artificial bookcase that conceals the underground church's entryway, Scooby-Doo style, and they block it shut to buy them some time from the angry mob chasing them. And when they finally break through, they're slowed down even more because they had to take off their shoes to go down there. All the guys are like, I can't find my matching shoe. <laughs> they're like, where's my shoes? Dude, a lot of good laughs in this thing. Maybe I do need to listen to the new pornographers. Maybe maybe some of this wit comes through in their Canadian hipster lyrics. We'll see. Neil's dad is super apologetic to Sheldon for this embarrassment. He's threatened with excommunication from the church, and he's told he'll never see the gates of hell, which really bums him out. But they still have till sunrise to capture Neil and finish the sacrifice. So Sheldon sends Matt's dad, the town's police chief, to go find him. And he also sends two attractive 20 something blonde Satanists, Colette and Brad to try to lure and seduce the boys back to church. Real quick guys. I'm about at the end of this cigar. Tut, you're right there with me. Yaks. You're a little, you got a little bit more. Um, anything else, Tut? I, I'm getting the same mineral beauty and spice on the draw with that nutty, earthy, I Skip's going to hate me for saying this in the final third. I got some pencil shavings mixed in on that. Drop. <laughs> if you define complexity as a bazillion flavors dancing in and out and none really hanging on that long, then this is not a complex cigar by that definition. I do not define complexity as that. I define complexity as how well the different flavors can coexist with each other and how they interact and i love this cigar it is i it is the perfect balance to the power forward rest of the roma line that when i get this cigar it's just this nice pleasant moderate flavorful flavor bomb all the way through it's fucking smooth the construction is impeccable, and I say that about most Roma Craft cigars. I don't think I've I, if if I've had a badly constructed Roma Craft, it might be like one or two in the entire existence, and I've smoked a ton. And I think that's probably either the humidor or my fuck up, not 
manufacturing fuck-ups. The cigar is impeccably crafted. It is a wonderful, wonderful cigar, and if it fits your palate, it's definitely one of those cigars that you will pick up anytime you see it on the market, which is very rare here in the, in the, states. In the states. Absolutely, and there are some uh, regular cigar hustler will put out some samplers with a, a wonderlust uh, mixed in there, uh, but you will not find, as far as I can tell, uh, stateside retailers offering these. They just can't. But uh, you will find some clever retailers working them in uh, to some Roma Craft samplers. So let's are you are you copacetic with our analysis, Yaks? You agree with all yeah. that? Seth, I'm only getting notes of tobacco. <laughs> you wonderful, fucking you wonderful. fucking kiss ass. <laughs> I love the fact I love the fact that he worked in Indonesian tobacco. When I first learned of Indonesian tobacco, it was in a little cheap cigar called a Don Lugo. I think it like came with a humidor. It was my first humidor purchased from uh, Cigars International, I think, for like twenty five bucks, and it came with this bundle of Don Lugos, and they were Indonesian binders. And I actually liked that cigar. Of course, I was a novice cigar smoker at that time. But I I think Indonesian tobacco kind of gets a – it's not as sexy as other tobaccos, but I love the fact that this plays with it, and it's done expertly. And, the, I mean, the, it brings out the flavor in it. I, I always saw it as a neutral um, – I, I, I like when it's – because it doesn't have a lot, it's not a flavor forward leaf. See, to me, I think it's different. I think there it, ha- it plays with a little black tea in there. I think it plays okay. with some, some well, tea essence. I've always seen it as kind of a neutral to where if you want your wrapper and your filler to really shine. Yeah. Okay. And you want a binder that stays out of the way, then Indonesian's a great option. Um, but you know, uh, I totally get what you're saying. Price point, Tut. What did I buy these things for from Germany? Oh man! All right, I'm not. I'm not even going to calculate shipping. Uh, shipping is not included in the in the price. Man, this is tough. It's a weird thing because you got to be patient. You're mm-hmm. like. Did they ship? Because, you know, how long are these things going to take to get to me? And then when they finally get to you, you're like, oh, fucking A. But then, you know what? Obviously, these things have been resting for a year and a half. Um, I'll go fifteen fifty. Fifteen fifty is that's what you feel it's worth and you would pay? No, I would actually. This is one of the rare cigars that you put this at 20. I'm paying for it. Uh, we just paid that to split a box of uh, Roma Craft uh, Craft 2021. Yeah. Okay. Yak Boy, fifth, would you say you cut 15? 1550. Huh. But as these are coming out of Europe, yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying because it's coming, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go a little bit higher. I'm going to say it's probably about 17. Okay. Well, when converted to dollars from euros, <laughs> I paid this being international. $10.82 for these bags. What? Oh, my God. Shipping was a bitch. 
that's the thing that that's the thing that's that's so tough because man skip and and mike they just find this way to make cigars economical they they really find just wonderful flavorful cigars at a very good price it's it's amazing how they do it ten dollars that that surprises me that really surprises me if you're in germany you're so this, I mean, this is ten ten dollars. You're saying ten dollars, so this would be like eight euros. I I forget. The, I I did not jot down the the conversion of what I actually spent, but yeah, uh, the the site one of the more popular sites that these go to in Germany is actually out of stock on all the Wonderlust right now. But I I looked at what I paid, and they're still even though they're out of stock, the same price uh, point. Yeah, ten two. Wow. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually really good. Unlike that guy from Die Hard who's like, 999? That German guy was against anything. He should be. <laughs> 10. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, oh, wait. I thought you were saying he was one that priced at 999. No, I was like, 9. I think that's German for no, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> that joke. Totally failed. <laughs> Please remember, folks, when purchasing some fine Romacraft cigars, they have a lot of them, or other premium cigars from Famous Smoke Shop, use your new favorite promo code TNCC20 at checkout, or it will knock $20 off your purchase of $100 or more. Two zero, baby. Two zero, baby. So Neil and Matt race home to change into some normal clothes. They're still in their their robes and and whatnot. And Matt makes the mistake of calling the cops, who, of course, are all in on it. So after they conclude that Neil will be safe as long as he gets laid in the next few hours, and therefore he'll be disqualified from a virgin sacrifice, they run over to Denise's house, his dorky friend, so Neil can beg her for a friend fuck and save his life. The cute, wise-ass Denise is busy playing video games, and when Neil asks her to do him this one favor, she calls bullshit. I can't believe you have the nerve after all these years of friendship to ask me this, asking me to sleep with you. Normally, he says, I would never think of doing anything remotely sexual with you, but I'm really fucking desperate. Well, that's not how you get into her pants. There's no meaning to it. Just the tip will even work. Yeah, you're right. It's probably not the best strategy. (laughs) Uh, She rolls her eyes and tells him, all this sweet talk is making my panties drip. Seriously, I'm ready. So finally, he has no choice but to fill her in on his family's affiliation with the Church of Satan and how he's going to be sacrificed tonight if he doesn't penetrate something and quickly. Denise believes none of this, obviously. But just then, the blonde devil worshippers, Colette and Brad, ring her doorbell looking for Neil. Hi, Colette says. Have you seen Neil? We were just at the mall listening to CDs, and he just ran off. (laughs) We think he might be losing his mind or something, so we're just really worried about him. I don't know why they chose to have these blondes speak like aliens who just arrived on Earth. But it's really funny. It is great delivery. When she says that, we were at the mall listening to CDs. <laughs> the, big, 
Hello, Earthling. Well, we I'm were like, at your local she's gathering. She's not an wall. alien. She's she's just a Satanist. But I was like, it, I laughed at this because I'm like, how more awkward could they literally be? There's, I mean, they, they I was I like was it. disappointed. I was disappointed that we. It, it's a you know you, you're constrained by the movie runtime. I wanted to spend more time with these two. I wanted to. Oh I yeah. To see their perspective of the chase. Tut, did you recognize Brad? I thought I thought I should, but I know I didn't. Uh, apparently, for four episodes in The Flash, which I know you still watch, I, I kind of lost my way with. They just played, dropped new episodes on Netflix, by the way. He plays Chillblain. Not ringing a bell. Yeah, and um, me neither. Um, okay. Uh, well, Denise lets him inside while Neil crawls out her window. She thinks Brad's kind of hot. He's got that little uh, eighth grade mustache going on. And she even gives them directions to Cheryl's big house party where she thinks Neil might have gone to. As they're leaving and thanking her for all her help, uh, she says, how do you guys know Neil, by the way? Oh, we all go to church together, Colette says. What church is that? Brad, keep in mind, Sheldon, the priest, said keep a low profile out there. Brad busts out, oh, we worship Satan. <laughs> Gives little devil horns. <laughs> I just like the fact that she just slaps him. <laughs> Colette immediately slaps him across his head. Shh, shut up, you idiot. Uh, oh, fuck, Denise realizes. Neil might actually be telling the truth here. I just recognize where I thought what they remind me of. They remind me of the aliens from Dude, Where's My Car? The hot alien chicks. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's what very, I said. By the way, Tut, a very underrated movie. I agree. I agree. What What would be an awkward sentence? I mean, this is 2000-something, and they're like, we were at the mall listening to CDs. Like, <laughs> what is that? Hey, I think even in 2014 when this came out, there nobody's listening to CDs at malls. Hastings is done for at this time. At this point. And, you know, Walden Books went under because of me stealing that satanic Bible. I did not help the American... I did not help the American malls' struggles at all. So Matt and... Actually, I think it was a D. Balton's... Remember those? Albums? Yeah, they were, they were popular. It, it might have been them that I that I took that from. But I bought a lot of books from them, too. I made up for it. So Matt and, D, Matt and Neil do, in fact, go to Cheryl's house party in an effort to get Neil laid. But Neil's frozen in fear outside the house. Everyone in there thinks that he jizzed all over himself in the janitor's closet last week. And he's almost more willing to just die by satanic sacrifice then go in there and die once again by embarrassment. That is true high school right there. Yes. It was a great teenage conflict moment because there are moments where you would really just, I'll just die then face my peers. Yeah. yeah. I, I recognize that too, Todd. It was a, it was a, it was a cool, honest moment. His buddy tells uh, Neil, you got to grab life by the ears and make sweet, sweet love to its mouth or else you're a dead man. (laughs) And when that doesn't work, he's like, you can't die because then I'll live and there'll be guilt on me 
And I can't, you don't want my, your best friend to have that kind of guilt. And that's what our reluctant hero actually, fuck it. He lowers his shoulders and walks in the front door. Man, it is a jumping house party. A lot of times these movies really fail at house party scenes with only a half a dozen kids partying and the editor will pump in all this party noise and like conversation dialogue. And you're like, there's only six people there, but it sounds <laughs> like there's 50. Dude, this is actually a representative of a big-ass house. Yeah, this this was only missing Big John farting against the window. It was. It was a good, it was a good scene. Dude, they actually pulled this on. It's a, it's a representative, and these are Canadians, of a good old American teenage house party. Um, immediately, wrestler jockface Kent spots his adversary and calls out to the crowd, hey, everybody, look who it is. Let's all do the kneel. And everyone at the party, dudes and girls, starts laughing as they all make a jerking off motion. Oh, so horrible. Hey, did y'all see Matt over there with his hand over his face? It looked like he was laughing, too. (laughs) It probably was. It looked like Matt was laughing at the jerk off thing. Neil escapes to the kitchen where he takes a big ass shot of booze, but he can't swallow it. Yaks, it's probably Jaeger, right? Probably. Whenever I see somebody can't take a shot, like they put it in their mouths and they can't finish it, it's gotta be Jake. It's gotta be Jaeger. Uh, so he runs into the bathroom to spit it out, and naturally everyone thinks he's in there whacking off again. I think I saw that masturbating guy lock himself in the bathroom, somebody says. As the party goes, all yell, stroke, stroke, stroke. From the other side of the door, Neil finally takes a hard look at himself in the mirror. No no pun intended there, the long, hard look. Uh, And finally, he makes the difficult decision to stand up for himself. Let's go, Neil. What does he have to lose at this point? Nothing. So he struts out. He opens the bathroom door with everybody laughing at him. He struts out to the living room, pushes Kent and his meathead friend off the coffee table where they're holding court and addresses the crowd. Behold, the great master Bader, he says, and everybody laughs. And then he proceeds to woo the crowd with some magic tricks. He's wrapping things up. Uh, oh, dude, he makes like a big boner appear under a, a cloth. He uh, which shoots confetti all over Kent's face like a big orgasm. That's funny. And then he wraps things up with a card trick, much like the card trick that impressed Cheryl back at high school. But this one ends with a fiery, sparkling pinwheel magically appearing and spinning around Kent's crotch. Dude, just basically setting his crotch on fire. Every since him screaming, running out of the room, and everyone laughing at his pain. It's a good revenge scene. Again, I know that we're 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 shackled with limitations of movie runtime. I did think that there was a bit of a miss because I would have liked to see more involvement from Kent and the Meatheads. I think they made some good adversaries. That would have been some good teen dramas. They, did. they were they were underserved by this script. Yeah, and I, and again, I know that you know there's a bigger plot out there that we got to get through. So we can't. Uh, have, you know, we I'll, can't I'll forgive it. 
everyone thinks this is hilarious. Their their jock hero with his crotch on fire, and no one is entertained more by the magic show and more horny than Cheryl herself. Oh yeah, who invites Neil up to her bedroom? Time to turn into a demon. Looks like our boy might be about to come face to face with the fuck manicus. Yeah. All right, boys. All right. Hey, real quick, uh, Yaks, I have shifted over. Uh, I didn't get to drink this beer with uh, Wonderlust, but that's okay. But I did want to give a little bit of attention to this beer because, one, my daughter picked it because it has a little pink demon on the can. Little pink demon. But it actually serves a greater cause, so I want to talk about on the show. What am I drinking now, Yaks? From uh, Fourth Tap Brewing, located in wonderful Austin, Texas, the Little Red Bus. It's an Imperial IPA. It's a once again little little bit of a higher alcohol, eight eight and a half percent. I didn't see anything on the IBUs, which is odd. Typically, they're up there. Yeah, they they like to advertise those, but no, I I couldn't find it either. Um, go on. Uh, uh, fourth tap, uh, uh, started back in 2015. Uh, several friends, they say, you know, uh, the, I, I didn't, they didn't really talk too much. You mentioned that. I was like, I didn't really see anything when they were talking about what the beer itself. No, here, here's what's funny, X. Uh, you're right. They, it's not on their website. And I didn't really, she just liked the little pink demon. I told her to find me a demon beer. But here's what I liked about it. Uh, it's a West Coast-style double IPA. Uh, dangerously easy to drink, they said, which it is. Uh, it's a little malt forward for a West Coast. Um, and what, about, what about the IBUs? Does it no. seem? Okay, maybe that's why they didn't list anything. Yeah, no, I, I'm putting those at the high 40s, 50 at best. Which is not West Coast style, but I like this brewery. We all like their Kung Fu Robot. Uh huh. Very much so. Um, but here's why I want to give it some attention. Every sale of this uh, beer benefits the Pink Boots Society, hmm. an organization that helps promote and educate female workers in the brewing industry. So my daughter picks it. Turns out to be a beer that, you know, a couple dollars goes to help out female workers in the brew in the brewing. How could I not showcase it? And it, it is good, and it is smooth, and it is easy drinking. I just for West Coast, God, the the IBUs are not there. When I think West Coast IPA, that's the granddaddy of IPAs. I want better material, which I was like, the the ABV is right on point. Yeah, but typically, like you know, like I said, mine it is a double IPA as well. But it's you know they they build it as eighty three IBUs. But I guess you know I guess maybe I've been drinking too many IPAs lately that it's just I found eighty three to be a little lackluster. I well, want, I this really is kick me in the teeth type thing. This is half that. Uh, the IBUs are are nominal, but uh, it's very mold forward. But it, it is smooth, and it is a nice beer. But I want to at least showcase it because it goes to a good cause. Um, I'm all about 
more females in the brewing industry. And if this, uh, if me buying the six pack, I'm not going to say I'm a hero. If you guys want to say that, go ahead. We won't. I'm waiting. Still not going to do it. Okay. Uh, but apparently some money here goes to helping females in the brewing industry. And I'm all about that. So, uh, it is, it's, it's a really nice, uh, IPA. Just weird that they categorized it as they did because it doesn't taste West Coast. It's not overly bitter and, but it is good. They are right. It is easy drinking. So there we go. They're not total liars. All right. You boys ready? Todd, do you have something or you move on with the movie? I'm good. Okay. Once upstairs, Cheryl locks the bedroom door and immediately jumps Neil's bones. She rips off her shirt and her little skirt and tosses them on the bed. She asks Neil what he's into. And he says that besides magic, he likes retro video games. But she ain't talking about that kind of shit, is she, X? Not at all. She's talking about what he's into in the bedroom. You do want to fuck me, don't you? She, she purrs. That would be super helpful, Neil answers. She looks at him confused. I mean, yes, 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 I, I do want to fuck you. And just as he's about to do that, do the deed, Denise, of all people, barges in the room to tell him that the blondies from the church are there to get him. If she would have just waited a few minutes, he'd be saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or his cock would have been devoured by the fuck manicus. We'll never know. Either way, pretty good way to go. We'll never know. I wonder if that would disqualify him from sacrifice if he fucked butt fucked and fuck manicus. Anyway, we'll never know, stupid Denise. Well, maybe they would have been like, you didn't actually have sex. You fucked a demon. That's not the same. Thanks a lot, Denise. You're still unclean. As they run out in the hallway, they see Colette and Brad searching for Neil. So the longtime friends start making out against a wall to conceal his face. Unfortunately, kissing doesn't count against his virginity. But the good news is that Denise now finally believes Neil's story. And she's willing to stay behind at the house party to slow his pursuers down. As Neil runs off, she flirts hard with pretty boy Brad. And the airhead likes it. He likes attention. <laughs> so is this church like any uh, regular church, she says? No, it's the exact opposite. Oh, okay, so your altar boys molest the priest then? I don't really know. Just <laughs> <laughs> so honest. Colette sees Matt and Neil stealing a car outside and driving off. So she grabs Brad and they kidnap Denise and they hightail it after the friends. As they speed away, Neil tries to explain to the somewhat dim Matt just how screwed they are as far as seeking help is concerned. Not only is Matt's dad a cop, who probably has a tracking device inserted into his son's nutsack, Matt looks down at his nuts, but they have to assume that everyone in town is a Satanist and on the lookout for them. I love this. I don't know why I like this spiel from him, but I did. Fucking taxi drivers, waitresses, cops, hobos, 
fucking baristas, dog groomers, fucking vegans, fucking hipsters, man. Everybody they have to assume is against them. They can only trust each other. And maybe that's all they need, boys. Well, except gas. Their car suddenly needs gas because it runs out of it. So they pull into a gas station, and you guessed it, the shady-looking gas station attendant sure looks like he might be a Satanist. <laughs> but then again, don't all gas station attendants... I was about to say, it's hard to tell. ...kind of look like they might be a Satanist? Uh, well, Matt's inside getting road snacks. Neil has a revelation of sorts. What if all of High Priest Sheldon's sermons were right? What if everything he's saying is true? If that's the case, then saving his own life, Neil's life, could potentially save the world and usher in a thousand years of world peace. That's something worth fighting for. Getting me laid will save the world. Exactly, Tut. So after a brief spat, these two best friends have a lot of spats. Kind of like when Tut yelled at me for criticizing his burger in Vegas. No, that was the other way around. Why are you giving me shit about my burger, Cade? I literally just said, kind of like when Tut got at me for criticizing his burger. That wasn't the other way around. That was you coming at me. We're at the biggest burger restaurant in Vegas, and you order a Texas burger. All I said was, we're from Texas. Maybe do something different. And you're like, God why you give me shit about my burger, Cade? How dare you, motherfucker? <laughs> so they decide to head over to the next town and find vaginal glory for Neil's penis by way of a prostitute for Neil to bang and save the world. There you go, boys. Thinking with both heads. They're saying they're, thinking, they're finally thinking with both heads. It doesn't matter how, just get it done. It sounds like a solid plan. But maybe they shouldn't have danced around in circles in the gas station parking lot screaming, prostitutes, fuck yeah, prostitutes, fuck. Because the satanic gas attendant hears all that. And he knows exactly where they're going. Y'all ever had sex with the prostitute? No. I believe you. Those those are two very quick no's. I haven't either. My response was delayed to listen to your guys. Mm-hmm. Of course. None of us have ever had sex with a hooker. No. Okay. Been in the presence of, but not had sex with. Well, I think we just went leaps and bounds above every other cigar podcast out there. We are the Clean Cigar Podcast. Those guys are paying for it. (laughs) Oh, the inbox will be full. Is that something I said? (laughs) Yes. Yes, Steve Zirkel. (laughs) In cigar news... uh, Cigar podcaster Cade fell on his sword and issued an apology to the cigar media. I'm so sorry that I implied that 
all you Ooh. dorks who just live and breathe talking about tobacco leaves had to pay for sex. That was not my intention, and I'm so sorry. There, I just did my apology. There you go. All's forgiven. I did the slam and the apology within like two minutes of each other. Do the Joe Joe Rogan apology. Why are you listening to me? I'm a moron. Yeah, guess what? It's two hours into this thing. You're listening to me? Thank you for listening to us two hours in. Yes, thank you. Meanwhile, while all this craziness is going on, we keep cutting back to the church where Neil's parents are seated on the couch across from their leaders, Sheldon and Mary, thankfully apologizing over and over again and promising Neil will come to his senses. He'll, He'll show up. I know this movie is about Neil and his friends, but the more you can put Sheldon in these scenes, the more I appreciate it. These scenes are where Carrie Ewells really shines as he has all these hilarious passive aggressive arguments with his high priestess wife. They're so good together. He's talking to Neil's parents and she busts in what Sheldon's trying to say. Wait, why don't you tell them what I'm trying to say? Yes, Mary. Why don't you tell them what I was trying to say? And then at one point, he reaches up his hand to hold her hand for support, but she gives him his cell phone, and he's like, what that? A fucking hand. <laughs> it's these little things. They're so good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And all that, you know that's him. That's him putting this stuff into it. I love it. So the dorks drive their way down to the sex district and proposition a hooker named Ashley for sex. She has them drive to a nearby whorehouse where she'll meet them and take care of their boners. The boys enter the house of ill repute and Neil places his order. I'd like one prostitute, please. What were you looking for exactly? The madam says. Well, I'd like a good personality. I'd like a cute laugh and some boobs. They all have boobs, she says. Well, We'll just take Ashley, Matt says, and the madam's relieved that she doesn't have to talk to these knuckleheads any further. Did any of y'all pick up on what he said? Good personality, cute laugh and boobs. He described Denise, his longtime friend. He did. He really did. You're not going to get that in a whore. You might get a good laugh, but you're not going to get a good personality. What? Maybe it's buried. I was also waiting for him to like come up to the room and like they go and then like just the just absolute worst looking skank walks through the door. Uh, we asked for Ashley. Well, we're all named Ashley, but that didn't happen. But still, I thought that would have been hilarious. Hey, in the Western lust from the dust, it would be uh, trans transvestite divine. I my name's Ashley. Why do you actually have a full blown mustache? Uh, and when the actual Ashley struts in the lobby, she grabs Matt's hand and insists on servicing him first, despite both friends highly objecting to this. Well, Neil objected way more than his buddy Matt. I literally need to get later. I'm going to die. Matt's like, eh, I'd like you to do him, but if you got to do me first, okay. There's time, buddy. There's time. 
Neil begs to go first. His life literally relies on it, but she only has eyes for Matt. When she gets him into the bedroom, Ashley uh, asks Matt what he's in the mood for, and he says, well, I'd like to start with a hand job. Then we can maybe work our way up to a blow job. And finally, maybe we can finish things off with a vagina job. I haven't heard it described that way, but okay. She seems disinterested in all three types of jobs, but they get down to it anyway. It's worth noting, I guess, that while Ashley is telling Matt about a client of hers that pays her to poop on his dog, Matt begins crying as he climaxes. He tells her he's done. He tells her, I'm done. And she says, good. I just want to go home. And not only does she say good, she tosses some of his money back at him. Ouch. (laughs) Dude, when you finish with a whore and she gives you money back? That's not a good sign. Not a good sign. That's unheard of. (laughs) Next up is Neil's turn with Ashley. But as soon as he sees the pentagram tattoo on her shoulder, he freaks out and heads wisely heads for the exit. I should mention that is the complete opposite reaction that Yak Boy has whenever he encounters a hot chick with a pentagram tattoo on her shoulder. True. Yaks, remember the Oasis Hotel Bar in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, a few years ago? Yeah. You had fun. It was good. Wait. I'm going to say that it was actually an oasis, but, you know. That was generous. <laughs> As was the pouring of the Jameson. I'll have, you uh, hooked up with the bartender there? Well, three bottles of Jameson? Here you go. How much is this going to be? Three dollars. Wait, what? I'm like, yeah, she has a pentagram tattoo on her forearm. He's like, fuck it. Keep the Jameson coming. No, seriously, please keep the Jameson coming. I need this. Well, I mean, literally, she gave us three shots, which were actually six shots per glass. All I remember is I ended the night getting up on stage and doing uh, the Doors Backdoor Man on karaoke, and you guys were loving every minute of it. And now Yak Boy has a pentagram tattoo. On his left butt cheek. Everything works out the way it's supposed to, boys. Do what we can with what we got. <laughs> well, sure enough, Neil runs straight out of the hallway into Matt's cop's dad Matt's cop dad, and he's on the run once again. He's he's smart. When he runs out and he runs into the cop dad, he starts banging on the whorehouse walls. It's a raid, it's a raid. And like Big Trouble in Little China, that makes all the, the whores and everybody run out into the, the hallway and it buys them a little bit of time. And again, as the cops and Colette and several other Satanists chase a terrified, but here's the thing. He's a great actor and he does great in this, but Neil never really comes across as terrified. Terrified, yeah. There's no scare here. They chase him through the dark and dreary downtown streets. Some tense music begins pulsating on the soundtrack. 
But it's such a weird film tonally because as we've seen that the church leaders and elders are such goofballs, there's no real tension to be had or created here. The bad guys have been deliberately exposed as just plain silly. So I thought scenes like this where he's being chased and the music is the typical thriller music. Yeah. And we're supposed to feel something. They're kind of limp dick exercises and trying to shoehorn in some yeah, tension that doesn't really, really they're trying to shoehorn in some tension that doesn't really work. I thought it was going to, you know, as we move through this, where like it starts out campy, I thought you're going to transition was it. get darker. Well, well like I said, you just don't see that. It reminds me of the, the movie that we did. It was like a found footage where they were investigating uh, an occult. Uh, or like these reporters, it was like some rich, famous cult where they were doing human sacrifices. Oh, the, the, the conspiracy or the... I think so. I think it was yeah. the conspiracy. And yeah, they had some moments like that to where once they found the conspiracy, they were being chased through the woods but, and things like but that. But that movie, but that movie, there was actual dread. They, there was actually, yeah, like, yeah. They, they, they were found out to be imposters in this, uh, world. And they, yeah. we act, there was actually like, you're like, holy shit, like they're, found- yeah, there's no, there's no dread or fear here. No, there's and, no- and you know what? I'm okay with it actually, but. It is, but it's weird that they tried to play it that way because it's totally non-effectual. Yeah. Right. Have I'm you... guessing this was on Shudder. No. Because no? I was able – I thought you said that you had to rent it on Amazon, but I didn't pay for it, so I was thinking maybe it was on Shudder because I have a Shudder account. It was just it was just a Prime uh, – Okay. A regular okay. Uh, Prime freebie movie. Having said that, Everything I just said. I personally get a kick out of movies that meld together genres and tones. And sometimes that comes along with some ill-fitting puzzle pieces that just don't live up to the sum of the whole. I guess I'm cool with that. Uh, But tension is a really hard one to force fit if everything else in the narrative clashes so glaringly against it. Yeah, especially when your villains are goofballs. When your villains are goofballs, it is really hard to sell us on a tense moment. Yeah. Knowing that your main bad guy is a, a goober. Yeah, at this point, I'm looking for the next laugh, not for the scare. But I like the attempt, and I like movies that just jam a bunch of shit in there and that you're not used to. So I. I think I, I think we're all on the same page. We gave it a pass. Yeah, I totally did. Okay. Well, you know what's never a forced fit, Todd? What's that? That's right. A Drew Estate stick in my hand. Oh, that's true. That's I'll, nice. I'll gladly smoke any of their phenomenal cigars made uh, by our friends over at Drew Estate. And one of their tastiest offerings is the Herrera Esteli Miami. Crafted by level nine Cuban rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze on Kelly Ocho, the, Hel- the Herrera Stelly Miami line is expertly rolled in a lavish. There you go. Got it. It's the doctor. Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Stelly de uh, Miami features rich black and gold packaging and is available in five sizes. 
I've smoked the cigar many times. Our boy Rev just sent me a picture the other night of him smoking one. Really enjoying it. It's truly one of Willie Herrera's masterpieces. So jump in your car or jump online right now and get your hands on some. What are you waiting for? Do it now. We'll wait. All right. Wait long enough. And while we're talking about really cool stuff, I'd also like to take a hot minute once again to let you know about something very cool. Cigar World. Tut bought tickets to go down to Florida and go to Cigar World. He thought it was a big amusement park filled with tobacco-centric rides. He could go down the Lajero Log Ride. Totally let down, dude. Totally let down. Uh, So I'm going to save you folks at home that uh, disappointing trip. It is actually cigar. Jalapa world. means a totally different thing on the main streets of Miami. It does. Are you okay? Are you suffering? No. no. You don't look the same. Cigar World is actually an online site for cigar smokers just like you. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Get to hang out with the TNCC's doctor. He's always hanging out there. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing actual cigars. Check it out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. Do you think if the scientists in the cigar lab told the uh, morons out in the cigar world to get vaccines, they do it? Only if they said they were amateur researchers. Amateur. Amateur. You don't say amateur, you say amateur? Amateur. No, I say amateur, but the people who are quoting all this crap, they might as well say amateur. Oh, okay. No, I'm not an amateur researcher. I'm an amateur researcher. Oh, okay. I thought you were getting I thought you were getting weird on this. Okay. It's it's starting to get really, really personal. And I d I'm not I don't even have kids. It's not like I'm I'm worried about sending my kids to school or anything like that. I'm just like, fuck, dude. Our grandmother, Jenny's grandmother got COVID and she didn't die of it. But all the doctors say she was never the same after it. That, you know, it took her nine months. She died after it. And, but they're like, she was never the same after it. And then this weekend we went up, we put her aunt in hospice because she got COVID two weeks ago. And I'm just like, Man, fuck you guys. Fuck all of you. And I know that it's probably irresponsible for me to say that, and I know that you're not the enemy, but fuck you, you are. You absolutely are. You won't take a decent fucking measure just to, just to put on a mask. Just put on a fucking mask, and you can't even do that, and we're fucking burying people? That's why I don't think, I don't think that this thing has really hit into the rural areas yet. But well, actually, I think it's just now hitting into the rural areas because now we're starting to vaccinate nine hundred thousand people in two days, and I think now it's starting to get there. To I think a lot are of like, them are, are getting the vaccine and not talking about it. Just fuck this shit. The numbers show that they're they're getting vaccinated and just not advertising it. They're scared. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, Tut. I, I get so fucking furious because you know my wife worked for years at MD Anderson in research. Like she knows how to do research. And then she went through four years of pharmacology 
and she knows her shit. And for these bumpkins or just stay-at-home moms to, I've done my research. You don't know what research is. You don't know, you literally don't know what the term research means because you're not qualified to do research. All you're doing is watching self-serving YouTube videos and and reading self-serving memes that are, are, are verifying shit you already are believing. And well, I'm just like, we could have been past this. We could have been past this. We were getting past this. And it's like fucking Joe Rogan comes out and it was like, well, you know, this, the reason why it's mutating is because of the vaccinations. You know, it's trying to adapt itself to the new vaccines and it's trying to survive. So the only reason why it's mutating is because of the vaccinations. I'm like, there was a doctor who was like, really? Because most of the infections aren't hitting the unvaccinated people, you fucking fuck. And just to, and I know his response, I'm a moron. Why are people listening to me? Why are people listening? I'm a stand-up comedian. And I get pissed at the people that do listen. I'm sorry, I'm I'm I'm, I'm personal ranting now. I'm too deep in the game, guys. I gave Joe Rogan a pass a few episodes ago on the show and you called me on it Tut. and he's continued to spew uh, harmful bullshit and you're right um, I, I, I gave him credit because at the time he said I'm wrong do it but then since then he's kind of backtracked and spewed more uh, counterproductive bullshit uh, you're right. That, that's just it. I don't mind people that change their stance based on information. I mean, we all do it. We all say stupid shit. We all get things in our heads, and we're all like, "This is but it." But then we what, get permit, presented with alternate information. But that's what the ignorant look for as far as ammunition against uh, Fauci and the FDA and the CDC. Well, they said this, and now they're saying that. Yeah, the shit's changing. And unlike you, they're willing to change based on the data. You'll never change. No matter what happens, you are going to dig your heels in. And until you're in the ICU begging for that vaccine, you're going to swear that you know what's right. And guess what? You should have listened to the fucking scientists. You should have listened to the fucking doctors. These people have sacrificed their entire fucking lives to learning and to helping us. And the fact that you think, you know, more based on fucking YouTube and memes, you're a goddamn disgrace. Fuck off. Get back to the movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cause now we have zero watching. We had, we had three people watching at the break, and now there's zero. <laughs> we don't want them anyway. Fuck off. Fucking Russian hackbots. Those were Russian hackbots. Is that a thing, Yaks? Hackbots? Yes, it is. According to internet science, yes, it is. I've well, done my amateur researching, and I can confirm it is. 
Well, I'm 100% sure they don't have video of me getting Russian hookers peeing all over me. I'm 50% sure, unlike Hunter Biden, they don't have video of me just doing some weird, really weird shit. I'm safe in saying, fuck off. Glassnose motherfuckers. Glassnose mother. What does glassnose mean? Uh, open politically. Yeah. Open. Politi- politically open. Glassnose motherfuckers. All right. Well, eventually, Maddie Boy causes a diversion for the Satanists. And while they're all running after him, Neil climbs in one of their cars and drives off in the opposite direction with Denise. Matt takes one for the team. I love the full body tackle in this alleyway. Dude, they (laughs) hard tackle that dude into a dumpster. It's obvious there's a mat on the other side of the trash bags, but this one or the one Satanist just full bodied NFL flies at the dude. It's a linebacker. Face on pads. Just the only thing missing is Jim Ross going spear, spear. It was a Goldberg spear. <laughs> Denise sees it as uh, Neil rescuing her, so she chooses this moment to reveal that she likes him. I like you too. No, I really like you, Neil. I really like you too. You don't have to be a bitch about it. No, I like like you. Oh, poor Neil. Has anybody outside of like 12 ever said like, like you? Maybe 14, maybe 14. But for the mental aspect of Neil, it's needed. Yeah, he is an adolescent. uh, Gotcha. Good point, Yax. He's a 13-year-old, 18-year-old. Very good point. He's ecstatic that she likes him. So does this mean we can have sex now? When she frowns, he says, I'm sorry, does this mean we can make love now? She says, you'll have to do better than that. So Neil spills his guts. He tells her he's been in love with her for years, ever since they were little kids. But he's always been afraid to tell her because he didn't want to screw up their friendship and have her never talk to him again. He actually says something even better. I didn't write down, but it was like, (coughs) I've loved you ever since I was capable of loving a a girl. It was a really cool thing he said. Well, get this. Whatever he said, she buys it. That does the trick. Denise leans over to kiss him. So Neil pulls into an alley and they push their seats back all the way and start undoing their pants. But before he can insert his willy into her vegetopia, he prematurely spooges all over himself. <laughs> can't, she can't believe it. Are you serious? Oh, no. And all Neil can do is apologize apologize profusely. He just jizzed all over her leg. Oh. Suddenly, Matt's cop dad throws open the car door and slams Neil up against the vehicle. Was there penetration, he asks, as he shines a cop flashlight in Neil's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was a bunch. Describe really. it. So tell me what it what did it feel like? Like? Uh like when you put a sock on a foot, man, and it fits just right. The cop, the cop turns to his satanic buddies. 
He's still a virgin. Let's go. Let's go. I love that. Neil and Matt are dragged back to the Church of Satan, where they are shoved shoved down on their knees in front of Sheldon, his wife Mary, and Neil's parents. I love bearded uh, Neil's dad. Well, I have to hand it to you, Neil. You continually find new ways to humiliate your family. Satanic dad says, oh, I'm the embarrassment, dad? Really? Me? I'm the embarrassment? Neil asks his father. Yeah, that's right, Buster. (laughs) Oh, it flies so perfectly. (laughs) Well, dude, you guys know I have a thing with calling guys Buster. Dude, when when he dropped that, yeah. Yeah, that's right, Buster. Dude, I was dying. Neil goes on to explain that this stupid religion has fucked with his dad's head so much that he's eager and willing to sacrifice his own flesh and blood for some guy with a red tail. Satanic dad warms, go easy, son. Go easy here. And when Neil says they're all worshiping a fucking Halloween costume, that's enough and Sheldon orders Matt's cop dad to throw the boys down in the dungeon with a baby goat. Did y'all notice that the loincloth that they make Neil change into in the scene looked identical, Yak Boy, to the thing that Elric had to wear when he was pinned to the the, the pole? The grease pole and sorceress? No, but... It's the exact same little thing. I didn't think of it until you said that. But am I the only one who saw the goat and went, oh, no. Yeah. No, that that comes up in a minute. It's a plot. That comes up in a minute, Tut. The friends hug it out after yet another spat. They have a lot of little friend spats. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I wanted to – yeah, speaking of the friend spats, there was one scene when they're in the, uh, in the van and they're tied up and they had the little leg-kicking fight because – uh, Matt got laid, and it was supposed to be, you know, Neil and all this it's, stuff. Neil says you made this night all about you. Yeah, and I just didn't buy it. I didn't buy any of that. I was like, you guys, I, I don't feel animosity here. It just seems forced. It seems no, like they, the screenwriters they, like trying an, to do some conflict. There was another fight outside the gas station after the house party, mm-hmm. where uh, Matt was like, oh. You're too cool to be now that you're popular because he had that moment up on stage and got to try to bang Cheryl. Yeah, that, that didn't make sense. Now you're so popular, you can't be my friend. None of these little fights made sense. And especially for these two guys, they would be cheering. Like Matt would be cheering that on. Matt would be like, "Dude, you got in. You got, you know, you almost got laid laid by the homes, the sexy girl, dude. The way that you schooled the meatheads. I mean, he would have been all up in that." I agree. Uh, they, for some reason, the screenwriter felt like we need to have little conflicts with Matt. And I, I get that, that I, I kind of get the purpose for that to make. Right. Right. But, I, but none of it seemed like actual high school friends would have these fights. Yeah. Yeah. Not over this stuff. No, no. So uh, as they're hugging it out in the jail cell, <laughs> Matt has one final idea on how to save his best friend. 
A guy's virginity ends when he penetrates something, right? With his erect penis. Oh, no. I'm thinking about the goat. But who says that has to be a vagina? If it's going to save your life, Matt Size, you got to do me. I didn't see that one coming. I thought that they were going to go with the goat, but I like. I thought they were going to go with with Neil fucking the goat too, but that never even comes up. Neil's totally against the idea. He's not even sure that he can get his equipment to work properly to do his best friend. Oh man, how good of it would have been! Like, all right, in order to save your life, and then they do just a quick shot over to the goat, (laughs) and then quick shot back to Matt. You got to do me. Just I would I would have loved that little sequence there. They should have they should have been a little. They should at least acknowledge the goat as an option. Yeah. Uh, But finally, Neil takes a deep breath and leans in to kiss his best friend Matt. Wait, whoa! Matt Matt ain't feeling that at all. What are you doing? Uh, We don't have time for extras, he says, as he drops his trousers, raises his, his satanic church robe turns his back to Neil and sticks his cute little ass out. So this raises an interesting question here on the podcast. No. If I was about to be sacrificed by a satanic cult, best friends, would y'all bend over and take one for the team? Would would y'all save your boy's life? Say hello to Satan for me. (laughs) You guys would point to the goat. I mean, it's an option. I don't think that the goat wasn't. I, I think if he screwed a goat, that's still not because it's an animal. I think he's still a virgin. I don't. I don't know. I mean, we should at least try that option, right? Would you? Would you guys bend over for me? Oh. Yak boy, we've known each other the longest. And I already told you your answer. Say hello to Satan for me. All right. Yak boy, if I bend over and spread my butt cheeks for you, would you finally let me order substitutions on the sampler platter at O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Central Texas? I'll send you a postcard. (laughs) Not even that. Not even that, that wouldn't get me substitutions. The devil will get your sampler before you will. It's kind of like a soldier in war, boys. Uh, you know, you can always say what you're going to do until the heat of the moment arises. So I could say that I wouldn't do it, but when the butt cheeks spread and, you know, a life and eternity is on the line, who's to say what I would do? Hey. Neil cannot get hard looking at his friend's butt cheeks. And Matt turns around. I'm not going to blow you. Like, I have limits. I mean, come on. I'm, a, I'm at least an eight. <laughs> at least an eight. But I ain't blowing you if, if we can't do this. So would you guys do the goat over me? I think I'd take the blade. I mean, I'd, I'd be like, yeah. Cue the Billy laugh. <laughs> Interesting. I'm not going to answer that question reversed. I just want to live, damn it. 
just want to live. The ceremony is about to begin. So Colette leaves Brad in charge of guarding Denise alone, which pisses him off because he really wants to watch the sacrifice. Denise starts flirting with him, asking Brad what all's involved if she wanted to join the church so they could date each other. Brad tells her, well, you'd have to renounce God, get a tattoo, and take a whiz on the Bible. It's a whole thing. Dude, that's That's, what it does. Classic. Just sounds like a Russian Saturday night to me. Dude, that's what it takes to join the Church of Satan. Renounce God, get a tattoo, and take a whiz on the Bible. Tut, I think you did at least two of those things on the Travis Tritt tour. Oh, definitely so, definitely so. But enough about that. Do you have a satanic tattoo? Son, if you want to get up on this stage and Sing about Southern Nights. You're going to have to renounce God, get a tattoo, whiz on the Bible. Piss on this. And wear fringe or leather. All right. I'm going to piss on the Bible, but I ain't wearing fringe. (laughs) Hey, you only got to do two. When Brad sticks his head around the corner to maybe get a glimpse of what's going on in the main chamber, Denise clubs him over the head with a candlestick. Holder knocking him out cold. Back in the dungeon cell, Matt has still bent over with his butt cheeks exposed while Neil can't seem to get his dick hard for some reason. Again, his buddy's like, I'm not gonna blow you. If we're gonna do this, you gotta get it, you gotta get it hard on your own. Now, come on, buddy. You gotta draw a line somewhere. Just then Matt's cop dad walks in and sees this. Whoa. As he ushers Neil out of the cell, hey, he's, no, no judgment, son. No judgment, son. As, I he love usher, that line. as he ushers Neil out of the cell, I love this. No judgment, boys. No judgment here. No, no, <laughs> I'm not judging you. But, but Neil is like he is judging me. I swear, Dad, I had heterosexual sex with an attractive female prostitute earlier that night. I swear, I did. No judgment. Dude, that, dude. I love the I love how straight the cop dad plays. Dude, the cop dad that line was maybe my best delivered line of the of the film. No judgment. <laughs> Which fits the Church of Satan because they would not judge that. They would not. If it's about I think, pleasure, I don't know. If it's about pleasure and seeking pleasure and it doesn't hurt anyone, that they are 100% for. But the way he delivered it to just a cinema audience, no judgment. Yikes. (laughs) It was so funny. It doesn't take long for Sheldon's satanic minions to tie Neil down on the altar. They learned their lesson from the last time he ran away, so they tie him down. And the priest... Sheldon begins the sacrifice. Satanus Rex, I invoke his powers by these names. Belia, Baphomet, Bezelbub, Lucifer, Awful Monster. Just skip the names, Mary tells her husband, Coley. What? 
What are you talking about? We can't skip the names. It's almost sunrise, she says. I know what time it is. I got a bloody watch, you know. Then you know it's time to get on with it, she barks at him. This is this couple at their best. Sheldon tells her, "If you know what? If you can do it better, you can take the damn knife. Take Here, here's your knife. Why don't you do it? Yeah. yeah, take my robe. Take the book. Take it all. <laughs> he apologizes to the churchgoers for the interruption. And that's when she grabs him violently by the collar of his robe. No one cares about the names for fuck's sake. He can tell his ball-busting wife means business, so he lifts the dagger and gets down to it. But just as he's about to plunge the blade into Neil's virgin flesh, Denise, disguised in a satanic church robe, knocks over a large candle holder that sets fire to the enormous red curtains behind the sacrificial altar. Hell's own inferno has come. I see his face in the flames. Sheldon screams in wonder as all of his satanic followers stare at the flames in awe and amazement. Neil's doofus devil dad smiles and puts his arms out in front of him. In nomina satanus. <laughs> he chants as he sticks his hands in the flames. Oh, wow. Shit. I like the uh, Sheldon's wife. It's actual flames. It's on fire. God, Satan burned my hand. That's really hot. <laughs> no, Mary, the high priest, the curtains are on fire, you idiot. In the mass confusion and the flames that follow, Denise climbs up on the altar, places Neil's hands on her teenage tadas, and rides him to a glorious climax as Priest Sheldon cl- screams out in peril at the sight of it all. Everything he worked for is crumbling around 18 him. 18 years down the drain. We watch as an oil painting of Sheldon on his throne burns up, much like Neil and Denise's loins are burning up for each other on the altar. must be on fire. My God, their loins are on fire. Doctors should have been here tonight. Have you ever seen loins on fire like this? My God. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it justice. I want to deliver it. I try it, but I can't do it justice. That's not the end. We cut to some time in the near future outside a Christian church on Sunday morning. Neil and Denise are waiting outside by the family station wagon. He performs one of his famous card tricks where he makes vintage a vintage Nintendo game uh, card appear in her bra. Because she's into it. Oh, she's been watching that on eBay for months, but he, he got it for her. Neil's parents exit the church, and his mother tells the teens that they missed a wonderful service. Mom tells Neil that Jesus loves him, and his satanic dad, who's now sweater-wearing Baptist dad, adds... Lutheran dad. Lutheran dad. He died for your sin, son. Dad asks for the car keys, and Neil looks at his father's bandaged hands, still burned from worshiping Satan, and tells him, you know what? I'm going to be doing the driving, and sheepish dad just gets in the car. Then Matt... His buddy exits the church with his arm around some cute, young, hot church babes 
And he says, we're heading for some extracurricular Bible study. Yeah, all right. All right. Looks like things are going to be A-OK for our gang moving forward from here, boys. As they drive off, Neil's dad asks him to turn on the Christian rock station, and Neil says, sure. As the hip-hop song, Pussy Makes the World Go Round, begins thumping from the station wagon speakers and leads us into the end credits. Now that is the end. Yay. Yax, do you believe that Pussy does make the world go round? My opinion alone doesn't make things happen, but I like to think that it does. I value your opinion. Your opinion is not alone, sir. I will join you in that opinion. Cut. You think pussy makes the world go around? I do. Nations have fallen because of it. Nations have risen because of it. It's all about the pussy. It is all about the pussy. I agree. The one thing about nations, they're mostly led by men, and men are mostly led by pussy. I will say this. I I, I love this movie. Uh, it is. It has such good spirit to it, such good heart to it. I would enjoy it. Carrie Eels is just, oh God, he's a national treasure. But with all the praise that I'm going to give this movie, which is significant, it makes me appreciate Deathgasm even more because that movie just fucking rocked on all cylinders. Didn't well, have any what... letdowns and slowdowns. No, and, it... As I was it, watching this, I couldn't help harken back to that movie. It actually, de- it actually made me think back to Deathgasm, which balanced the humor and the the dread and the horror really well. Yeah. Also, like, uh, well, Devil's Candy had no humor whatsoever. Right. It was strictly. Yeah, but that was good pace all the way through. Well, I mean, that's what I was kind of hoping is that, you know, like I said, it started out campy and I was hoping like maybe somewhere toward, you know, in the middle towards the end, you would actually start to draw in some of the supernatural. I mean, like actually there would be some sort of actual demonic presence. Yeah. But, you know, as soon as I mean, like after I got past the halfway point of this film. I'm like, yeah, there's no demonic presence here. They're not gonna it's not gonna have any creep factor. Well, not only that, but at the at the final end, they basically just made a joke of oh, you thought uh the Lord of Darkness was gonna show up at at, at this No, it's it's all stupid. I mean, they basically piss in the face of all religion and for the sake of laughs and they I I still stand by with if they had kind of linked what was going on with some other uh North American uh hardcore religions and if they had tonally changed it just a little bit you could still have Sheldon Carriules be funny but you could make his followers be not sinister sinister and and and, and actually 
have a somewhat sense of dread and where you don't want these guys to be captured, but they pissed that all away. They just made it all fun. But the fact that it was so much fun and I laughed so much, I give this movie a big thumbs up. I know we said it was American Pie with Satanists. That's okay because a lot of these movies come out and they're American Pie with nothing going on and no heart, no no spirit. And this movie had all had a lot of it. Well, you know, and I and I guess I could say this like that very last scene where Matt is leaving the church with the girls. If they had even done just like the you know the thriller video, you know, Michael Jackson returns back to the camera and he's got demon eyes. I would have been like, thank you. That would have been perfect. (laughs) That would have been okay. But I was okay without it because I, this movie benefited from a stellar fucking cast. Yes. Kudos to the casting director, big time. And I loved the the boys. I loved the girls and I loved the parents and I loved everything about it. And if you're going to make a weird amalgamy of teen, teen angst, teen coming to fruition and mix in a weird, you can't call this a horror movie by no. any because no. there's nothing scary. And we address that At the moments where it's supposed to be tense and scary. They betrayed that. They, it's not. But it was good for what it was, man. I I, I, I laughed so much at this movie. I laughed so much at Carrie Ewell's. And the two main dudes playing this rocked yes. the friendship angle. Uh, I, I, I wholeheartedly give this movie a thumbs up. As, as a amalgamy of, of horror and comedy... This is a comedy who has a splatter of uh, horror genre stuff, but they made a choice to not make that scary. And the actors stepped up to the plate and made it to where it didn't really matter because it was just fun. I agree. I totally agree. Big thumbs up on the movie. Big thumbs up. And big thumbs up on the cigar. Huge thumbs up on the cigar. I've smoked a lot of these, but tonight's was really, really good. I'm a big fan of the Wonderlust, and it did not disappoint tonight. Um, Whether it was with the Devil's Backbone, which, once again, we liked, or I liked, and this little red bus... Uh, Imperial IPA is really good too and it fucking A man played really good with you guys' beers mm-hmm. yes it did absolutely knocked down four of the Hellas tonight uh, I like the the German style lager uh, it is a little bit underwhelming in terms of German style from what I've heard I don't know uh, I need to do some amateur researching on that and and uh, I am looking forward as we march into Oktoberfest and getting all into the German spirits. Yeah. We're getting there. It's close. 
Uh, okay, boys. Well, Tut, you just showed me your mug is empty, so uh, give us some links. All right, join us on Twitter at TNCCCast. You can hit us up on Instagram, TNCC underscore podcast. You can join us on Facebook, TNCC or Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Subscribe to us on YouTube. I see a couple of you watching now. Uh, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. You guys are already there. Uh, if you're going to, let's see, what holiday is coming up? Uh, I don't know. Get your wife a little something. Uh, do a little shopping at TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. My, my birthday's it's, coming up. Kate's birthday is coming up. Get your favorite podcast host a little something something from Amazon. You can do your shopping at TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. Hit the Amazon banner that there. Helps keep the lights on. And if you're going to buy any of the wonderful cigars that you've heard on our show, you can go to the Famous Smoke Shop banner, click on that, and it will automatically enter a promo code TNCC20 to give you 20% off on an order of $100 or more. That's 20% off, fellas. You pay $100, you only have to pay $80. That's a pretty damn good deal. Good job, Ted. Uh, well, we will be back in two weeks with another episode. Uh, the doctor will return if you missed him tonight. I'm looking forward to Halloween, man. Hit me. Hit me. Are we there? Are, are we there, Ted? Are we on our I'm, march? I'm saying, I'm saying go ahead and let's start the march now. Let's start the march to Halloween. Okay. All right. I have the, uh, the go ahead from Tut, our non horror guy to, Start marching to Halloween, so that's what we will do. We're basically uh, living in a political horror fest now, so let's get yeah, this thing going. Right. <laughs> when your whole world's a shit show, you might as well embrace uh, the beauty that is horror movies. So we'll do that. Uh, let's begin the march to Halloween. Our next episode, uh, two months of nothing but horror and fun and gore. I have a lot of ideas on where we could take this, so let's just do it. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, in the meantime, we kind of talked on this uh, briefly at nauseum uh, several points tonight, but uh, if I could just say one thing. Um, the people that know what they're talking about ask you to go get vaccinated. So maybe go do that. Um, they know a lot more than you. They've studied. They spent their whole lives. They dedicated their whole lives to telling you to do this. So just go and do it. Because I really want to hang out with Tut, Yak Boy, and Doctor again here in the corner of No Hope around the table. And every time we get close to that, you fucking idiots uh, screw it up. So um, let's just all get vaccinated, hang out, and um, that's where we stand. That has nothing to do with the wings of liberty. Yes, you do have freedom to make choices, but you should maybe make choices to benefit Every fucking one in this country. Let's do it. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. We'll see you again in two weeks. Let's do it, boys. Sign on, motherfucker. We'll see you in two weeks or so. Love you. Bye. To 
learn more about the time I was almost sacrificed on the altar by a sinister satanic cult behind a sirloin stockade family restaurant in Hooker, Oklahoma. Well, okay, it was actually more of a dumpster lid than an actual altar. And to be honest, it was more like a group of very angry local buffet patrons than a satanic cult. But just barely. You see, folks, anytime you tell your pal Keith A. Howell that he can help himself both the unlimited macaroni and cheese and unlimited imitation crab meat, well, there's gonna be trouble with a capital K. You don't drop Rambo in the middle of the jungle and ask him not to blow shit up. You know what I'm saying? Of course you do. And, uh, well, that's the last time I'll ever be visiting the town of Hooker, Oklahoma. Talk about false advertising. Anywho, in the meantime, you can learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode by visiting romacrafttobacco.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky. And for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Go to work, get drunk, go to sleep, I can't.